0: Note, for maximum picture quality it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR.
1: David Zucker, Jim Abrahams and Jerry Zucker, better known as Zucker Abraham Zucker, are perhaps the only three-person collaborative directors in Hollywood, and they are renowned for their slapstick, high octane parody, and their 15 rules for comedy. In making Airplane, they had created the most successful comedy film of all time and ignited a genre of comedy. But their last film together was not that type of spoof. It replaced rapid fire puns with more restrained plot driven farce. When put in the hands of Dane DeVito, who can play a lovable villain like no other, and Bette Midler, who can camp up any role to its peak, it becomes a total riot. And this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast or an adventure to watch a century of cinema decade by decade, year by year. I and one half your host, Liam Delaney, and with me is...
2: Hello, I'm Oliver Jones. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you
1: doing, Oliver Jones?
2: Oh. I'm good. I've got a, a painful arm, though. I had my second vid jab yesterday.
1: Oh, the so, uh, vid. Which one did you get? Which flavour?
2: Which flavour? I got the Pfizer flavour. It's tasty. It's um, tasty. I got Pfizer flavour too. But now I'm 5G activated now, so I'm I'm immortal now. So congratulations, wow. that's very good. It's <laughs> good we'll to see. feel immortal. <laughs> I'm then, the Highlander, the Kurgan,
1: the Kurgan, the Klergen. <laughs> Did you say Klergen with an L? <laughs> is, it, is it
2: Kurgan?
1: <laughs> is it Kurgan? Is it just Kurgan? Isn't it? I don't know.
2: <laughs> it's been a long time since Some, I've seen
1: that film. Someone will correct us. Yeah, I'm sure. So you're not feeling any, like, kind of side effects then? You're feeling okay?
2: No, just just the painful arm. Like I said to you earlier, I think it just depends on where they jab it into your muscle. (laughs) But but my arm was fine the last time, but this time it hurts. But other than that, I'm fine.
1: Uh, Are you... I I was not well after my oh. second so I really wasn't I wasn't as bad as some people have said but I just had I had chills and fever and like I had a headache for like two days wow. and I just had all every joint in my body hurt like every joint just hurt and, and I just felt like absolute shit I really did I felt so bad but and you know it's a temporary sickness to make you well so it's
2: fine. yeah it's, that's true you know
1: so I don't really moan about it. So this is gonna this is a fun uh, vaccine podcast. We're fully vaccinated now. We should be trying to record one in person. That means.
2: Oh yeah, like- definitely. But after a year and a half of doing this now, yeah, I think it's about yeah, time. it remotely. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it'll it be completely different. I don't know if I like it.
2: I know we'll, we'll come- probably end up just getting drunk and then it'll just become <laughs> a, a blathering mess. But we'll but you interested? Uh, anyway.
1: In separate to the normal succinct information you get from adjust your tracking. Yeah. <laughs> Cutting information.
2: So what have you been up to anyway?
1: Uh, bleh, I haven't been up to anything. I'm boring. I'm <laughs> I'm going to a birthday party this weekend, I'm going to a barbecue and oh. going camping. Oh. That's what's happening this weekend. Oh nice. So and it's meant to rain. So it's going great. So after all like <laughs> July that was ridiculous heat and sunny every single day, the the weekend we've got booked for camping, it's going to piss it down. So <laughs>
2: Whereabouts are you going?
1: Uh somewhere in the Midlands.
2: Oh okay, so not too far then. No, not too far. Not too
1: far Tom. Not long. It's only for not like long a long. night, it's it's only really so we get we can go drunk.
2: When you said birthday try... party, in my head I it... Uh, like a McDonald's birthday party popped up in my head <laughs> <laughs> with like, Ronald McDonald and all that. I don't know why.
1: Do you reckon they still have McDonald's birthday parties?
2: What, where you sit on the little toadstool seats and...
1: Yeah, and the waitress comes over with like a, a silver tray of cheeseburgers. <laughs> it's a something.
2: fancy cheeseburger. <laughs> silver platter.
1: Stacked high like Frere rocher.
2: <laughs> and you know, if you, if you went to a party of, like, a, a, of a richer kid, you actually got Ronald McDonald. And if it was, like, a poorer (laughs) kid, like, probably my family, we didn't have Ronald McDonald.
1: Does Ronald even still exist? I don't think Ronald turns up to McDonald's parties if they do them. I think Ronald's (laughs) cancelled. Invited
2: or uninvited, he just turns up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they lock the doors to stop him getting (laughs) in.
2: (laughs) Stay away from the kids. Is he even a mascot anymore? Do they use him?
1: I don't think they use him. I don't think they use him at all. I haven't seen him as. I think only old people remember
2: I him on all <laughs> He's pretty horrific looking, like a weird, like red, white, and yellow clown. No. Yes.
1: Yeah. There's a weird history. Weird history of him, isn't it? Because of clowning in America was a big thing that was in local kind of um, uh, communities. So, like, if you grew up in like Washington, you'd know a different local clown than you did if you grew up in like Chicago or something. Oh, like I thought bit, you were
2: going to say it was, like, Crips and Bloods. There was, like, different, like, <laughs> clown well, fractions. There were,
1: because they're all competing for, like, business. Right, And, okay. like, slow and slowly, like, they would kind of... They would, like, slowly ru- risen to the crop were basically these famous, um, famous, like, clowns. And I think there was one called Bozo the Clown. Right. And Bozo was, like, originally from Florida or something, which I think one of the main McDonald's offices is from... Oh, okay. Not the not the first, but maybe like the franchise head is there or something like that. This could all be wrong information, and um and uh so they basically end up buying the rights for like Bozo or something, and they have churn- turned him into Ronald McDonald as their mascot. But it was based on like something that was recognizable at the time as like a kind of famous not famous celeb but like a TV kind of fixture for kids um, on local television.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I told you that, <laughs> but I was trying to oh, Gacy. I was trying to I was trying to think of what Gacy's clown name was, but I think it was Pogo.
1: Pogo, that's a good clown name.
2: Yeah, Gacy, John Wayne Gacy's was Pogo and Patches the Clown. I think
1: Patches. That's, I wonder if yeah, he was but...
2: part of the of the of the crew.
1: The murdering.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we had a local. There was a local clown around certain Birmingham that went to all the kids' birthday parties. I can't remember his name though. I think it began with a P.
1: This is going to go For, nowhere. This is going to go nowhere. It's probably Pogo. Pozo. Poz, yes. <laughs> Clowns are weird. and okay. I think I don't think Gacy was actually a clown when he was murdering people as well. I think that's a misnomer. I think he had what do worked you mean? as a clown in the past. Yeah, I don't think he was, he, was he was
2: dressed up as a clown when he was killing people, no. Well,
1: no, but even he wasn't working as one whilst he oh, was killing okay. people, I think. I think it's, one, it's something like that. Again, that go. could be also also wrong information. Like, we are not Gacy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking shit.
2: Hey, guys, it's uh, Ollie here. Just to let you know, uh, we're going to get into some spoilers on some of the films we've uh, watched. So, you know, we're talking Black Widow, Space Jam, Fear Street uh, 1 and 2 and 3, as well as uh, Loki, amongst other things. So if you don't want to be spoilt or you just don't want to hear us withering on about various movies, please skip ahead about an hour and five minutes. See you later. Should we get us some films? What have you watched, Ollie? Uh, Well, I mean, it's been a while since we actually last recorded. It's been a while. Um, So I watched the two Fear Street sequels. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah um they're okay uh the second one is more of like a 70s slasher film isn't it yeah yeah the third one kind of goes into more of that kind of you know the vavich kind of setting but yeah the kind of like yeah. a a bit of a american horror story kind of twist where the main characters from the previous films are the are the people in the past or she sees herself and her friends as the people in the past don't they and yeah i and liked
1: then, everyone playing like characters from the
2: past I thought that was fun I I, I get it on one hand because then you kind of attach to them a bit more than if they were just like some randoms but um, I don't know it all felt a bit American Horror Story and I don't know if you've ever watched that show (laughs) it's like the campus. like don't get me wrong I love a bit of camp but like it gets a bit much and like it just kind of oozed this this film kind of oozed it and then at the end it kind of cuts back to like 1994 doesn't it and they kind of have a big showdown yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's a spoiler, but I, I don't think so. But um, but I thought it was okay. I preferred the second one. I think the first part was still my favourite one. I think the
1: first one's my favourite as well. I know yeah. I, th- I liked them all relatively equally, I think, really. Yeah. But actually, I think I preferred, maybe had more fun with the first one, I don't know. But really didn't know where it was going, I guess, as well, so it gives you a bit more of that, it's, really, when you first watch it, th- but...
2: This might be a bit of a spoiler, but it's the, it's definitely very goosebumpsy. The whole kind of the shady side and then the sunny side or whatever they're called. you know what I mean? Like yeah, one side yeah, gets yeah, all yeah. the shit, one the other, and then yeah. the main the main villain you find Springfield out surname, and Shelbyville. Yeah, you made the main villain's called Good, the the hero yeah. or whatever is Fear <laughs> or whatever, and that's that's a spoiler. I guess so, <laughs> um, but. um... We need to put yeah, more okay.
1: spoiler warnings on.
2: But like, um, I'll put one up. But um, when Fear Street, the second one, came out, we tried to stream and it just wouldn't stream. It was like like full on pixelated. So oh, we right. watched uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark instead, which I think is like a, a Guillermo del Toro produced film, which oh, again is based on like, um, you know, young novel, you know, what do you call it? Uh, young adult. Young adult kind of horror stories. And what they've done with this is they've taken, like, four of the stories and kind of compiled it into one narrative. So it's not like a, um, uh, you know, a Twilight Zone anthology film. It's kind of got, like, a bit like Fear Street, probably. I actually learnt one thing in Fear Street. <laughs> uh, you know when they all get changed in the school in the first one, when they kind of about to take down the monsters for the first time? And they get, get changed, changed and they all oh, yeah. have sex with one another and... Yeah, yeah, they yeah. apparently the, the clothes they change into are the clothes from the front covers of the books. So that um, was quite
1: interesting. That's nice. But
2: that's anyway,s nice. so scary stories to tell in the dark. Caroline didn't realise that it wasn't fear street because they're in tone. They're pretty. <laughs> Very similar. And then st- Scary Stories to Turn the Dark is set in the 70s as well, so it's kind of like a bit of... Yeah, no, sure. it's in the s- 60s, I think, it's during the time of uh, Vietnam, because one of the characters is a, um, a draft dodger. Vietnam went into the 70s. Yeah, I guess so, but I think it was the early 60s. but uh, Late okay. 60s, sorry. But um, that was okay, I guess. It kind of sets <laughs> up a sequel that I don't think will ever happen. No, but, okay. But I think Fear Street, the plan with that is they want to do it as like the... They they want to do it like the multiverse of horror films or something like that. that's what the the woman who directed it was quoted as saying. So I'm sure we'll see more of those.
1: Yeah, I want to see more of those. I don't really want anyone using the term multiverse for any film that exists, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, like uh, I want to see more. I enjoy them. They're they're fun, oh, and there's I've got definitely got, a, I've got a question
2: to ask you though. So like, okay, I'll, I definitely will put a spoiler warning at the beginning. So, you know how we were talking about how, you know, the main characters were lesbian in the first one. It's quite casual and it's just kind of, you know, that's that's how it is. Yeah. But then in the third one, it's set up that it's all about that, isn't it? So it's kind of, it's about a lesbian. Co- it all, all comes across because it's kind of about toxic, like males kind of not being able yeah. to get what he wants. So Yeah, <laughs> he can't. yeah. And it's about a, uh, it's basically about to two lesbians, isn't it, that kind of get together and he's unhappy because he wants to to wed the one girl. And, um, like, I was, what I was trying to get at was, what do you think of, like, it being more kind of just discreet and just kind of, not discreet, but just kind of more relaxed as opposed to being, like, the full-on thrust of the narrative? Do you know what I mean?
1: Do you mean, like, about it changing throughout the series as it becomes yeah, so, a bit more explicit? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah i kind of like it because yeah, yeah. you know, once you've introduced those elements in a way that just feels natural why not tell a story Yet. with them like and make it the thrust of the narrative like if it was about you know i don't know um i don't know a person's married to a guy who's a dickhead and she has an affair with another man we wouldn't really be asking the question or anything like that so it's not so it's nice just to tell queer horror i think yeah, I was, a, I was only <laughs>
2: asking because it, it didn't bother me, but I've just read a few reviews and listened to a few podcasts where people kind of turned on it at that point. I was like, well, huh. I, don't, I, don't, I don't quite agree with that.
1: But. It, I would say it barely crossed my mind. Yeah. Like, it, like if I'm very honest, because I just was already in the world and, yeah, tell the stories kind of thing. Um, It's not like, I don't know, Friday the... No, no, no. Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or something which you know has that whole queer reading about it and stuff like that it's not like that it's much more just the narrative really
2: definitely I, I liked it what else you watched
1: oh I thought we were doing you oh well um, do me
2: I mean I, I, some of the ones I've watched you've watched as well so Black Widow
1: yeah I watched Black Widow that <laughs> you can you can hear from my voice <laughs> yeah it's not good it's not like it's, it's one of the most anonymous, anonymously directed like Marvel films. I think mm. like, there's, there's nothing baked into it. That was particularly exciting. It, it's not exciting anyway, cause this it falls into good old prequel traps where like, it can't do anything with its narrative.
2: Yeah. Cause um, you already know and, the fate of the character. Cause
1: you know, everything, you know, you know, everything like, so you just, I don't know. It just felt like running in circles, frankly. I I almost don't know why they couldn't have done this film and not set it in the past. You know what? They could have done this film with Florence Pugh, just learning about Scarlett Johansson's death and just done it in the present instead of doing a flashback, you know, just remove Scarlett from it, but have her as like an element to the film, you know, because they can tell stuff in flashback within, within the film rather than setting the whole film in the past. Um, I guess they didn't, uh, Guess they didn't think it would sell without Scarlet in it as the main character, as the only female character in Marvel. Um
2: I mean I don't know. Like she like she falls so many times in this film and lands like perfectly. Like <laughs> so I don't know how she didn't survive the bit in Endgame. Like like if this film had come out beforehand and they kind of did a bit of a setup where she's falling all the time and landing. Okay. And then someone does equipped to again, you know. One of these days, you're not going to land one of those or something. That's some great screenwriting. I know. That's why they pay me the big
1: bucks. I just... I don't know. It's just the whole... very. I liked Florence Pugh. Good things. I liked Florence Pugh. I I really like her anyway. And I liked her in this. um, And not... Like, apart from the accent.
2: I don't know where you had to have a backstory for a fucking vest. I like my vest. It's good all the pockets...
1: I literally didn't realise until you said to me that it was like a callback call forward callback to actually something she wears. I didn't even like register that this was part like this was like a meme or something in Marvel films or I don't know why they fixated on it. <laughs> like, but also
2: Also it's like why was she not present in Endgame then? Because you know, everyone she she would have known us she would have known her sister is now a black widow or whatever. So well, why I guess was she? They... I
1: guess you can always argue they got clicked. Um, oh yeah, that's in, a good point. But Infinity War, there's no reason why she couldn't yeah. have been in it. And why was Black Widow upset anyway in Infinity War? Because she, f- the end of this film's a happy ending. They find they make a family again. So why does she then get moody <laughs> and <I> not having <laughs> so- family? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just didn't. A lot of it didn't work for me. I thought like the the film starts picking up when David Harbour comes into it. I thought I thought David Harbour had a really fun like kind of portrayal um but he does nothing and they give him nothing it's not his fault they give him nothing and like the whole story is about almost about his like redemption as a father and, and like building that family back and again but he doesn't have any payoff and it's just one of those things that I know he's going to get a payoff in like five fucking films you know and it's just like do it in this one like like and he should have basically he should have died. <laughs> he should have died in this film saving his daughters. Like that's the that's the arc. Instead of totally. just don't do anything. I like again, I thought Rachel Weiss was really good in this. Uh, I really like her it doesn't have anything to do. Really. Yeah. Um and Taskmaster is just fucking ruined. Like like that wasn't Taskmaster the character. Like, that wasn't any of that personality of that character.
2: The only Russian person they hire in the film does not speak... Doesn't talk. (laughs) Doesn't speak a a, a word. It's bizarre. And it's not a
1: twist when, like... It's not a twist when you see that person's been kind of on... She's in the, like, head credits. It's not a twist when you reveal later on the person who's not got, like, behind a mask the whole film is the person. Do you know what I mean? Like It just annoys me when they do that.
2: Olga Kirilenko, whatever her name is yeah. she's she's like five six years older than Scotty Hansen and Scotty Hansen te- is supposed to have killed her when she's a child, so I don't understand <laughs> I'm not saying that Olga Kirilenko looks old or anything because she doesn't she looks you know pretty great yeah, yeah. but like it's just weird I don't know like you know it's
1: it's a weird it's a weird little thing. I I feel like most of the positive reviews are absolutely like back to the cinema kind of excitement. Yeah, yeah, it's just honestly, yeah, yeah, I agree.
2: Because
1: I just, uh, it had so little for me, it just had so little in it to be excited about, really. And it just, that just disappointed me. And Ray Winston was shit. I'm sorry. (laughs) I love Ray Winston, but he was shit. <laughs> his accent was absolutely god awful. And, like, I hate it. They just give a villain, and it's just like, yeah, and now you just sit behind this desk, and that's your job.
2: And it's just. Yeah, like, in his little Cloud City place. And, uh, in the little Cloud City place. I don't know. But, um, yeah, other than that, I. Uh, have you seen the trailer for the new Jackass film? Jackass I haven't, actually. Forever. No, I haven't. So, like. I was thinking, like as a kid, you know, when we were like sixteen, seventeen, I was all about Jackass because you know, yeah, I used to go around my skateboard and my video camera, so I was, I was always end up filming, you know, mates like larking around, like running around with shopping trolleys or jumping into bushes and stuff like that. You know, it's just part of my childhood. But I thought, I think I'm done with Jackass. You know, I'm not really bothered. Yeah, but I'll watch the trailer anyway. And the trailer just put a big smile on my face. Cool. And cool. I don't know why. So I thought, I kind of want to watch all the jackass films again now. So I literally binged all of the ones that were on Netflix. Cool. Um, including Action Point. I don't know if you've heard of Action Point.
1: I have heard of it, but I haven't watched it. So
2: it's not an actual Jackass movie, but it's it's got uh, Johnny Knoxville and Chris yeah. Pontinus or whatever his name is. And is it Jackass? P-
1: presents like Dirty Grandpa.
2: No, it's not. It's not. But it's the idea is it's kind of got a story, but it's got real stunts in it, like 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 Bad Grandpa. But again, in in Action Point, he does dress up as an old grandpa because it kind of <laughs> it's kind of based on Action Park, which I think was a place in New Jersey. I think we there spoke was,
1: about the documentary actually
2: before. Yeah, and. Um, it's kind of like a fictionalised version of that and uh, it just didn't really work. Like It's trying to be like a bit of a meatballs or something like that, you know, kind of like a summer right. camp kind of film. Or, you know, did you ever see Adventureland? No, I didn't. You it's saw Adventureland with uh, Kirsten Stewart Kirsten? And, uh, and, Jesse Je- and Jesse Eisenberg?
1: Jesse Eisenberg, yeah. No, yeah, really
2: good, it. really good film. Okay. And uh, it kind of kind of gets that kind of summer holiday vibes before, you know, they're going to college and they're kind of earning some money yeah. before. But, you know, like if Action Point kind of dialed into that more, I think it would have been a lot more interesting. And I understand why they had the stunts in it, because Action Point was known for being like insane. You know, people died at that park and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I think something more interesting could have been made out of it, but it was just waffle thin. <laughs> um, but then I watched all the Jackass movies because they're all on Netflix um, I mean there's not really much to talk about really You know, they're kind of just people being idiots really yeah, but, uh, yeah. th- the ones I'd never seen before were like the half movies so they've got Jackass 2.5 and Jackass 3.5 and they're kind of uh, more like documentaries but with kind of deleted footage or stunts that didn't quite go to plan or kind of work as they thought they would Right yeah. And um like if you watch the Jackass movies they're all laughing and joking because that's that's one of the things about Jackass that I think works is it's the reactions to the stunt not necessarily the stunt itself.
1: Like yeah, absolutely. Which is, absolutely. Which is one of the things yeah.
2: action point doesn't have because it doesn't have the real reactions to people like pissing themselves at someone hurting themselves. Yeah, have yeah that. So yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of kind of It's like the
1: little it's the weird little family element to it. That's what people yeah. really really liked
2: and what they So like into. So with with the main Jackass movies it all feels like all fun and games but it, there's a bit of a mean sh- like it comes across as a bit more mean-spirited in these documentaries and I think just framing it as a documentary and that it just comes across as a bit mean and you know you feel like some of them are a bit more bullied than others and stuff like that and it just that made me a little bit sad but um right and you know you've got the fourth one coming out and it won't have um like Bam Magier is not in it because like Bam is just a complete mess of a human being yeah, And then obviously Ryan Dunn won't be in it because he died, which I think yeah. is probably one of the reasons why Bama Jerry is a mess of a human being now. Maybe, um, maybe,
1: yeah, yeah, true. Sure.
2: I mean, he always came across as a bit of an asshole anyway. Like, you know, whenever there was a stunt that involved him kind of the, the mick being taken out of him, he didn't like it. He was happy yeah. to dish it out, but never happy to receive Absolutely.
1: it. And he never really did anything. He never really did any stunts apart from pissing off other people. That was his whole, yeah. like, shtick was, like, being, like, someone to get other people to react angrily at him. That was, And that's always, that's the ones that have aged worse, I think.
2: It's like, somehow, Johnny Knoxville, even though he dishes out a lot, he comes across as quite likeable, in my opinion. I don't know why. I don't know if he's, sure. he's like, the dad of the crew or whatever. Yeah, sure. And, um, and like, but the thing is, he can take it though. So, in like Jackass 3.5, there's like a. When they did the premiere of the film, they made like a little short film that Johnny Knoxville didn't know about. And apparently, Johnny Knoxville had sun cream that he'd put on every day when he was filming. Okay. But in Jackass style, they put horse cum inside of his, cre- his suntan. He didn't know. So, every day he was putting this suntan lotion on with horse cum on. But like. <laughs> His reaction to it was pretty good, and he took it all in good uh, humour.
1: There's um, there's like a I can't remember what it is. I'm not going to get it. Yeah, there like there was an interview from years ago. It was like 2006 or something like that, and it was like an interview with I think it might be Out Magazine, you know, like the gay magazine, okay. and they were interviewing like um the Jackass people, and this was years before like before any kind of this was a thing, and they were just asking them about the fact that they're like they were talking to Johnny Knoxville saying like, the stuff you do is really kind of gay. Like the, st- yeah, the show yeah, sure. you do is really gay. And and uh, he was like, like they were asking about that. And he was just like, honestly, this was our kind of like, fuck you to kind of like the, you know, the studio executives or the kind of heter- heteronormative shit that you put up with, like the kind of toxic masculinity is ours. Like, yeah, we're all straight, but we're going to be gay as fuck. Cause fuck you to have an issue with it kind of thing. And I just always, I always remember that. Like,
2: They'll have a jut and dildo on a rocket and then someone's up above it with their ass exposed and the rocket just shoots up their bum. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's totally silly. Like, it's very, it's kind of fratty because they're all kind of the way they are. But they're always topless with no clothes on, hanging out in their hotel rooms, like giving each other paper cuts or doing... It, it's, it is bizarre, but I love it all the same. You know, it's, just, yeah. it's good. It's, it's, it's just... It,
1: it's very thing. nostalgia for me as well. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched it in years, but like, it's very nostalgia. Do you remember, like, the Welsh Jackass Dirty Sanchez?
2: Oh, <laughs> that was definitely more mean-spirited if I remember mean to Yeah,
1: that. it was, wasn't it?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. I was going to just do you remember they had a movie as well, the Dirty yeah. Sanchez movie.
2: <laughs> I saw it. Have you seen it? No. Okay, there was a there's a deleted scene in that that didn't make it, and you, I'll tell you what happened in it. Okay. Okay. Um, so for the whole duration of the film, each member um, jerked off into a <laughs> into a, a bottle, Jesus and then man. the idea was that the loser of some task then had to have a facial of all three of their or four of their semen's mixed together. Delightful, <laughs> lovely, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> lovely, lovely film. That's, but uh, Pritchard last... now, though the main guy of that, he's like a. He's like a vegan kind of like well mindfulness kind of guy and like really got his shit together and he's like like apparently meant to be like a real shining light in the kind of mindfulness space and stuff like that.
1: Okay, because because he kind of comes across as one of those like um oh what were they what were they called <laughs> like um oh what were they called when like you, the tricks or the game. Like, you know, giving you tips how to pick up women using secrets. He always came across as, like, one of those guys <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, like, negging and shit like that, whatever oh, that stuff yeah. is called.
2: Well, I guess, like, like anyone, people may have just, you know, hopefully some people who may have some toxic ways about them may realise that and kind of grow up and change their ways. So maybe maybe he did that, I don't know.
1: He has a cookbook called Dirty Vegan. There we go. There we go. It's meant to be quite good. I don't know if it is or not.
2: <laughs> they always felt more like um proper banging s-
1: vegan food. Dirty Sanchez, for I remember,
2: they were less skatery than like um Jackass, and a bit more like roadside kind of you know, like geeks and all that could bite the heads off chickens and stuff right. like that or put nails through their nose. They they did shit like that, I think. Like yeah, like, I circus I, I, freaky kind of stuff. I think
1: it was much more about the, like the kind of weird, violent stuff and like the hammering nails into stuff. I seem to remember lots yeah. of vomiting. I seem to remember dirty Sanchez yeah. lots of vomiting, which I don't have any time for that.
2: Like Jackass was <laughs> mainly just punching people in the balls, or like someone standing in like the uh... like. That's the one thing I love about the movies. Like they've got these great intros. to the first one is like them all being chased by bulls, and yeah, it, uh, but it's shot so well. And, like, it's just nuts that, like, people like Spike Jones are, like, part of the Jackass crew and, like, you know, he's, like, the producer and he, like, he does some of the stunts and, like, wears the old age makeup. Like, he dresses up as an old lady that's kind of got her boobs hanging out and just go up to men and stuff
1: like that. <laughs> it's, um, I always I always remember it that the stuff I liked is when they would kind of build something stupid themselves to ride. So it was stuff like them building, like, a big ramp to, to roll down in like, right. like a like a wagon or something like that the, that, that the, kind of stuff like always looked fun to me
2: the best one is like you know like a seesaw where you go up and down yeah they did a four way one of those but <laughs> yeah. in a ball pit and so there's this <laughs> ball just charging around and they're all trying to launch themselves up in the air so this ball didn't get them.
1: <laughs> I can't believe that still exists
2: <laughs> good stuff
1: uh, so what else have you watched uh i watched a few things i can go through one of them really quick i watched space jam a new legacy and it's not as bad as you <laughs> think it would be but it's oh, really bad well like it's not because i just i thought it was going to be the worst thing i'd ever watched frankly but it's not <laughs> like, right. but it's but it's awful like it is awful <laughs> and the worst thing about it is the looney tunes stuff i think like it doesn't i don't know the whole thing's weird it's just so it's such a it's such an obsession with franchise that it's painful. So that's, is it less a, of
2: a less centric on the Looney Tunes and like the first one then? Uh, yeah, kind of.
1: It just needs to be more about the Looney Tunes and less about uh, like LeBron James, I think. Because yeah. it's all it's all about LeBron James, like parenting issues. But um, well, I don't know. That's not. That's not really LeBron James, is it? Like, so it's not really about the re- real person, LeBron James, and it's not really about where the kind of Looney Tunes are in culture, which is the two things this was kind of begging to be. It wanted to be more like the kind of Muppets film with um, the 2011 one, about Jason kind of Segel one. Yeah, the Jason Segel one to get like the band back together kind of thing, and it threatens to do that, and then it does like. It goes to all the planets of the Warner Bros. verse or something. and um, But that scene's a lot less than you think it's going to be. I thought it was going to be a whole film of just going into like Mad Max and going into Casablanca. And that scene's not long, actually. They get the band to- back together very quickly. But then, like, then it's just. So this-
2: hang on, hang on. So they're going to other worlds. Does that mean characters from the Loon Tunes are hiding out in other worlds or something like the Casablanca uh, world or
1: something? They got. Banished, maybe, or they okay, left. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Bugs is on his own at the start, anyway.
2: In the first Looney, in the first Space Jam, are the toons they kind of live in the center of the earth or something like that? Or there's a portal yeah, there's like they... a
1: portal in the center of the yeah. earth that sends them to the toon world or toon space or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is all in the servers of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then like literally the film's like two hours and something long and then it's literally this basketball match goes on for like most of the film like well over an hour um and it's it's just really boring and it's all i don't know it's just it's such a weird weird boring film that doesn't get doesn't know what it's wanting to do and i'm sure it'd be a huge hit and everyone will love it and i'm yeah whatever <laughs> like, i don't know but it's just so not about the Looney Tunes, and it's not, and it doesn't give him anything to do, um, really. It, and I don't know, I don't it, it, like bearing in mind they're actually making Looney Tunes right now, they're making like Looney Tunes cartoons right now. Oh, are they? Very, yeah, they've done loads of them, quite a lot of them, and they're meant to be quite good. Uh, and I think they're all on whatever streaming service. Is it HBO Go that Warner Bros. has? So I think they're all available on that. Um, right. But like, they almost should be pushing, and I have been told they're good, but they should be pushing them at like, as their property, you know, this should have been the big thing to say, like, you know, these, this, we, we're the fucking Looney Tunes and you love these characters and, and push them in that way. But I don't think they really do that. I don't think they really get to the core of why people like these, you know, hundred years old characters. And, uh, and, and, they should be pushing them in, like, you know, like Pixar shorts at the beginning of Water Boss I was gonna
2: say they like should that. put them at the beginning of short uh, yeah. films for sure, yeah. I don't know why they're not.
1: That that that's their selling point. You know, go watch a Warner Bros film and you get like a 15 minute
2: like you Bugs know, bunny sketch. Birds of prey, something. you could totally put a Looney Tunes like at the beginning <laughs> of something like that, or like even Suicide Squad that's coming out now. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure you could kind of tailor it a bit more to that kind of But that's the way you build a brand. Something. Yeah, not totally. this,
1: not by just sitting in one film and yelling at people that we have a brand. You like Mad Max. Look, that's us. You like Casablanca. You like Matrix. That's us. Like, and it's really pathetic because it's like it's they're trying to do what Disney's done. Um, but Disney have done it, you know, not I wouldn't say they've done it successfully, but they've they've done it through like really pushing the kind of ownership of these brands properties. Mm-hmm. And Warner Bros have never really done that. Like no one no one watches this and cares that like Warner Bros owns I don't know the Iron Giant. Or like Warner Bros owns like the Flintstones, I guess. Like or like or Warner Bros owns, I don't know, what other things are in Scooby-Doo. this film. It's for like Scooby Doo. And no one think I don't think people think about it that way. And if they want to think about it that way, then they have to do more than just crowd shots and things. Mm. And apparently the crowd shots are so weird as well. And the kind of the, the mix of the odd characters that you see around the crowd shots are entirely because of legal stuff. So it was all to do with like kind of copyright lawyers um, sitting around in boardrooms going, look, you can't use young Humphrey Bogart because we'll be sued by his estate. But you can use the people from like, you know, um, Clockwork Orange because that's just a costume. Like you can, <laughs> you can, you can use like the mask from like, Jim Carrey, but you can't use, uh, you know, so on and so forth, you can't use, you know, and and that way. And it was all decided. Like, that's why like things like the guys from Fury Road, the boys from Fury Road, that's why they're prominent. That's why like, people like the nuns from the devils are prominent and stuff. And that's right. why characters like uh, the penguin and, and Mr. Freeze are prominent because they're all their they're, they're prosthetic costumes as opposed yeah, to right. Rather point. than it being the actual images of the people in the films, which they can't use. Um, and that's why like so that's why it's not like neo isn't there watching it but you know the the agents are there amorphous agents are kind of yeah because the they're show, just generic yeah. guys with glasses yeah.
2: suit, so, yeah
1: so that and then so that's why like stuff like that is really prominent and that's why stuff like the cartoons are as well but it's really it was really was just lawyers going like no nah, you can't use any of that you can't use any of that <laughs> and that's just how the kind of film was built frankly and it feels like that really
2: so, so d- does Batman appear in the backgrounds of shot and stuff like that, or not really? Or- uh,
1: there is a bit, there is a bit on the DC planet where, like, you kind of meet the Justice League, and they're in a Bruce Timm style, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think Batman's there. I
2: think hand drawn or CGI or
1: it's CGI, but it, it, right. it's faux Bruce Timm style, um, and I think you see like Adam West and Burt Ward era Batman and Robin. At The sides as well, I think I remember seeing them. Uh, because mm-hmm. again, it's more of a costume rather than putting like Humphrey Bogart there or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's weird, it's a weird thing to exist. It really is.
2: Well, I like it, I think it went through a few directors, didn't it? While it was filming as well,
1: okay. yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I think Malcolm Lee, who was brought on at the end, was really brought on just to kind of guide it. Because I'm finish. pretty sh-
2: sure this film was announced a long, 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 long time ago. And I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it even shot many, many years ago. And I'm sure obviously COVID didn't help, but I'm sure it was wrapped well before COVID. I think it was. Yeah, I so, think it was wrapped. So I yeah. just have a feeling they were just... Didn't know what they would do <laughs> with it, just kind of...
1: And I think a lot of it, you're talking about the, the copyright stuff. It, they shoot the film. Obviously, they're not shooting with actual people in the background for the basketball Yeah, so, they, so that's all
2: they're doing in the post, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's what the posters involved—just um, going, like, going through the archives and having big checklists of who they can put in these cr- crowd shots. Really, I think, I think that's How mainly is, the production of the film.
2: How's LeBron compared to like Michael Jordan? Because Michael Jordan, let's face it, was not very good in that film.
1: I think LeBron's alright, actually. I think yeah. he can probably carry something. He's not like terrible, and he has a couple of quite funny moments. I know LeBron's a really weird person. I know nothing about basketball. Like I even said to someone the other day I realized that I've never watched a basketball match the entire thing I know about basketball is from films and like <laughs> like from like Space Jam or He Got Game and stuff that's entirely how I know basketball Why
2: men can't jump
1: Yeah totally But um like I know LeBron James is a quite a complicated character and he's not a very like he's not seen as like a nice a, nice guy Like he's very cynical in the way that he um, moved from team to team. He's very cynical in the way that he kind of built a team for success explicitly kind of thing. And and he, he navigated his career that way rather than just being the idea of like kind of Michael Jordan was at the Bulls, I think, for like forever, you know, like and and he was just loved there because he was their star player. He's. My uh LeBron James has jumped around, I think, onto like smaller teams like the Cavaliers and then lifted them up to make him a star kind of thing. And I think like so I think and he's kind of always been a bit fence-sittery in the way that he talks about like issues and stuff like that. Not outspoken in like his beliefs. And anytime he has said something, it's always caused a problem. That kind of like he's not especially a really well beloved guy, and I don't think Michael Jordan was either, but he at least Michael Jordan had the image of it. Before that, kind of we got into the murky Well, I mean, world he has a
2: logo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, does that image? You know, I had a pair of Air Jordans when I was a kid, and you know, they had the. Uh, I don't think they were real. I think they were bootleg ones, but, <laughs> but they had but the I image. Knew, of-
1: I knew who he was because of that. I was watching Space yeah. Jam in the nineties because of the shoes. You know,
2: the, the like, pump I, shoes. Yeah,
1: like, <laughs> 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 and I just think it's weird to do a film about him playing his real self when it actually doesn't touch on anything about him as a real person and even like incorporate into the scripts and stuff that makes him a kind of complicated figure doesn't really do that really it's just it's just a lot of branding stuff and even the film it says like the film itself is basically hook that's the story of the film which is really weird to make a to make hook again (laughs) right it's a weird choice i think when like there was different, like I think it just needed to be a little more loony to about the plot or something. It need like they, they needed more drive to be characters in it, like, um, and they didn't really. It's a weird, I'm just it's looking a weird at film. your,
2: uh, just looking at your letterbox. You cheated. I thought we were gonna do Logan Lucky for the 2010s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot and I watched. You it. are naughty. <laughs> You've watched loads. Yeah, I do Hesh- watch a lot. But... I actually quite liked Hesha. That was a good film. Hesha's great. Yeah. Which is great, Isaac the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Sorry, uh, Isaac's a friend of ours.
1: Hesha's really good. I recommend Hesha It's a surprisingly yeah, it's weird. weird film. Uh, I also watched Mitchell's versus the Machines, which is the best animated film I've watched this year, and everyone should watch it.
2: I know someone who works on that. <laughs> oh, they really? The, cool. The lighting supervisor. So they kind of yeah, yeah. But that's really kind of like good. the same team that did uh, Spider Verse, isn't it? I think. Yeah,
1: I think it is. Yeah, so, yeah, because yeah. it is. The producers are Phil Lord and Chris Miller, but it kind of—I feel like it didn't do anything when it just appeared on Netflix. And I just watched it today, and it's—it's it's brilliant. I really loved it. And it's like loud and energetic and weird, and yeah, it's really cool.
2: No, I, I do want to watch that. I mean, the only thing I've watched on Netflix, I watched all of He Man: Masters of the Universe. Oh yeah, I um, haven't bothered. Honestly, it's—it's it's good fun. Like, it's not. Visually, it's not my kind of animation style. I prefer more fluid, kind of, a bit more simplified-looking characters. They're, like, super detailed, like, anime-looking kind of characters. It's not my cup of tea. Um, And it's very gaudy, kind of garish. And I don't mean that in a horrible way, but it's very... There's lots of colour and everything everywhere, and it Mm. kind of... It's very... The problem I have with a lot of modern animation, it looks too sharp.
1: Yeah, okay. So if you ever look
2: at the animations that I do and like whenever Brandon works on them we kind of we kind of pull them back a bit, kind of make them look yeah. ble- we kind of make them look a bit blurry or a bit to make it look a bit more filmic. That's what... Well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I sometimes find make it a bit find, more lived in. Yeah, like I think, you know, you can go too far with that stuff where it looks ridiculous, like, you know, too yeah. much too aged and stuff, but I think, you know, especially with stop motion like, like the camera's so close to the character, it can look really too sharp same with the hand drawn like because it's all done by on computers and stuff yeah it just looks a bit too sharp a bit too crisp for my liking but um you know if they put a little bit of a aged filter on that to to kind of merge it into that like 80s thing i think that would have been really cool but i don't know but it's, it's got a lot of heat on it and a lot of people are very upset about it and uh they're all a bunch of fucking babies <laughs> <laughs> grow up it's a cartoon about toys
1: uh yeah. i think they cultivated that though i think all the marketing towards that film was terrible and the way kevin smith was selling it was fucking terrible it, as well it he doesn't marketed, help
2: like, it doesn't help when they're saying like you know the show's all about he-man and he's like only in two of the episodes but like but it, so it was a bit of like poking the well it's two it's it's
1: only the first five isn't it which i think that's something yeah. they never really said either um I think it's Mark. I think they've they've kind of done this because they've what's you know like they kind of poked the fucking tiger and they got mad that it bit them. That's what what happens with fan culture, like and like they. All the fucking like marketing to this was, was Kevin Smith going, this is one for the proper fans who love the 80s series, and now it's the 80s series, but actually they kill each other, and it's proper awesome now, and I <laughs> promise I'm going to deliver that. And it's like, don't fucking pander to them, like because they will hate you. That's what they do. That's what fan culture does. Well, it, it's, like. t-
2: it's exactly the same as what happened with Last Jedi. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Although yeah, I don't really think Last is. Jedi had any false advertisement about it. If obvious, no, I
1: don't, I don't think, think it is.
2: But no, but I actually just, quite liked it, so it, I thought it was all right. It, like, you know, they're only like 21 minutes, 22 minutes each, so you just sit there and it just kind of washes over you. You know, it's not like, I don't know, it's just an easy, easy breezy watch. Okay, what else have you watched, anything else?
1: Uh, did I watch anything else? Um, I watched Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2.
2: You thought this was better than I, the third film? I, which then I
1: started like, spoilers for fucking Breaking Dawn. But, like, there's a whole scene in it where it goes absolutely batshit and they all kill each other. And then it's revealed to be, like, a flash... a flash-forward, like, a kind of a... And, one, that seems fucking amazing. Like, that film, I love that. That film, Breaking Breaking Dawn Part 2, is wonderful. It's so, like, off the leash of a film. But, like, to... I, I started I started listening to recordings of people fans watching it in the cinema. Like so like people recording like the kind of reactions of people had no idea what was going on. And then suddenly, you know, like the the, the dad is it or whatever his name is, Mr. Cullen. Because suddenly he gets decapitated and all shit breaks loose and this is not from the books and it's it's not something that was in the books and it's all wild and it's all weird. Like and just, just listening to those reactions of people losing their ever loving mind and then the kind of reveal that it's all the flashback and then the sh- then them losing their mind again because they realized they were got by the kind of filmmaking made me really happy <laughs> like, And it was like and that's kind of what a film should do is kind of elicit reactions from people and, and and like the ending of Break of Twilight is so boring anyway to give people actually a bit of like excitement and this is what the ending could have been kind of thing I think really works.
2: I, I can't think, like, even remember how it ends, to be honest.
1: <laughs> it be- it ends on a whimper. Like they basically go, Oh, actually that you can be a human vampire thing and we quite like them. Okay, we're going and then Michael Sheen <laughs> goes home. Right, basically That's uh, kind of it, really. Um it's I don't know, I just I have a lot of love for that film. And I'm watching All the Twilights. That last one I thought that's actually really good and I really well, it's,
2: like it. It is fun when a film just owns its its silly yeah. nature and just kinda of goes healthily it, just, leads with into it. it. <laughs> just yeah, just goes for it.
1: I guess that's kind of it. What I've been watching, really, I've been watching a lot of bad films recently because I'm trying to. What I'm doing this, you know, cinema scores. Um, yeah, so vaguely the things they get audiences to fill out, um, like letter scores after they see a film, and it grants them like a cinema score. So it's like A to F. Um, so me, me, and a bunch of people have been what doing the cinema scores F challenge to watch all the cin- all the films that have been ranked F by um by cinema scores. And, how many uh, though,
2: how many films are those uh there's not
1: many there's oh, only okay. like twenty uh, three i think there are oh okay and uh but some of them are <laughs> oh, god awful absolute... well bolero uh which is like a weird soft porn um starring um what's her name she was like a famous like uh uh Derrick.
2: oh okay.
1: Uh that film is F. That film deserved. Isn't her dad isn't
2: direct that yeah. or something?
1: Is it her dad or is it isn't it like husband John Derek? John Derrick, is her husband. Yeah. I think and like basically he just shot a ton of like soft porn films um with her in it during like the 70s and 80s or something. I think that was their career. Uh uh Dr. T and the Woman, The Women, which was the last I think it was the last what's his name film? John Altman film. Okay. Uh with Richard Gere. Uh, John Robert Altman um, that film's an F I hate that film it's awful <laughs> uh, but then like there's, there's others like um, uh, Solaris is on there the kind of Steven Soderbergh film that's um, an F that, I wouldn't have that's, thought that's an F that doesn't deserve an F
2: no it's, the not, cut, it's not the, the original's better but like yeah yeah it doesn't deserve an F
1: uh, In the Cut which is 2003 Jane Campion film uh, with like Meg Ryan and Mark Ruffalo, uh, fucking awesome film. Does not deserve an F at all. I don't know what the fuck was wrong with audiences oh, yeah, in 2003. I've seen that one. It's
2: like a proper decent like psychological thriller, isn't it? Kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, decent like kind of.
1: Yeah, like like crime thriller and stuff like that. Doesn't deserve an F at all. Bug. Uh, by William um, fr- by Frickson. that's an F
2: no I like both. that
1: that got an F no way should I get an F that film is so good like and as I said to you it's like a kind of X-Files without kind of Mulder and Scully in it yeah um, uh, killing them soft killing them softly the Andrew Dominic film with Brad Pitt in it um, like that I, kind of about I like, actually thought that was alright it's a good film yeah, yeah. <laughs> like these, some yes. of these are like these are not F's like. and also one of the revelations for me that I never watched it before was Richard Kelly's film The Box from 2009 that's uh, actually Cam- quite good Cameron Diaz it's really good I was watching it going I wish they made more films like this I was having such a good time with it it's
2: I like can't Rich- believe that's. it's like Richard Kelly's in like Hollywood uh, jail though isn't he I think yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah but the, th- the weird thing is so he made Donnie Darko which ever, like became a cult classic yeah. Then Southland Tales, which I think most people just hate because it's just really weird. I like it It's fine. I'd what well, I'd like to it's watch fine. the director's cut I think. Yeah. Which I think is available now by on Arrow on their Blu-rays. But um Oh right. But the box I really quite like because is it Frank Langella who's kind of got half yeah. a half a face half and of, stuff.
1: Yeah. The box is a proper like twilight zone like script in a film basically that's all it's doing and like if you like those kind of like moral tales moral sci-fi tales it's got it's got it all there it's enclosed it's not trying to do anything bigger it's re- really fun
2: if i remember it was based like on a short story i think called like button button and it was like right. adapted into a twilight zone episode and then he expanded uh, yeah, on okay. it into a film
1: i really liked it and there's other there's, there there are like the wicker man's there by um, you know with Nicolas cage and <laughs> I enjoyed I, that I, I'm sorry, that is not an F. That is so much fun. Like I'd like, that is not a bad film. Like the 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 shit that got just be, like is unreasonable because that is fun. And like Nicholas Cage losing his mind and just that like out there performance is everything you want out of the Nicolas Cage film. Just just sink in and let it let it go go for its wild ride. You know, like, like you enjoy take it.
2: it. You take like a soundbite of any Nicolas Cage films, and yet it does sound absurd and just totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah off kilter but when you watch it within the context of the films like you are saying it kind of works because he like we were saying like, he leans into like the absurdity of it and yeah. just kind of just goes with it and you know I had such good fun I with look.
1: it I was like yeah if anyone's <laughs> going to remake Wicker Man let, let it be this this is fine like this I mean, is not a trope like this is fun like he punches an old woman on a bike it's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> like
2: the, the Nick Cage films I don't really care about are probably like The Sorcerer's Apprentice or something like yeah, that. But, yeah, but like, totally. but things like that where he just, I like, I can't wait to watch Pig.
1: Yeah, I can't I'm, wait to watch Pig as well. Really yeah, we're really looking forward to it. But other things in there, and actually, one of these can be a lead-in to our film today. But there's stuff like uh, Devil Inside, Silent House, The Grudge, The Turning. They're really crap. They're not all F's, but they're really crap. They're just and, pretty um, generic, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But one of them, which is honestly probably the worst film I've ever seen, and it's going to Oof. struggle to do everything. Worse than the Conjuring
2: Part Three, or
1: whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is 2008 disaster movie by Freeberg and Seltzer. And oh, obviously, Free, Freeberg and Seltzer are the kind of like the offshoots of Zucker's Abraham Zucker's that we're dealing with today, like doing those kind of Yeah, like they tried big to take the mantle of, yeah. Um and this disaster movie is one of the worst things I've ever watched. It's it's so fucking terrible, it's it's hard to even talk about how terrible it is.
2: <laughs> well it's, it's like it's like they took the concept of like scary movie, which is actually scary movies, not a bad like mm. and then there's not another team movie, which is actually not too bad actually. It's quite a good send up of team movies, but like they did epic movie, didn't they? And Yeah i'm sure they did a twilight one as well
1: vampires suck that one's called but but the
2: what they do it the problem is instead of just taking one genre and kind of okay this is what we're gonna parody like you know like um uh naked gun or something like that or yeah they take everything and it just i'm sorry that does not work (laughs) like you can't just throw everything at it and think just because it's popular now that well,
1: disaster me. movie is absolutely a movie that's written based on trailers that are running in 2008. It's nothing I to do with Batman's the films. In it. It's yeah, Batman's in it. It's all like, it's it's ridiculous. Like the, it takes on. 10000 BC, Hancock Jumper, Enchanted, Alvin the Chipmunks, Beowulf, The Love Guru, Sex in the City, and more than anything else, it takes on fucking Juno. It hates Juno <laughs> with a passion. <laughs> like, can you just stay? Like, and you just watch it going. What is your guy's problem? Like, seriously, what is your guy's um, problem? What is what, what hurt you? I'm this looking isn't at funny.
2: the poster. I've seen porn parodies with better like I know. production value than this.
1: I absolutely fucking it. Have you even got it.
2: Hancock on it on the logo? <laughs> yeah, no, everyone... Speed Racer. Favorite. Jesus the Christ. The fact that
1: it's called Disaster Movie, there's nothing to do with that. That was a renaming right before release. Like They had a different name before. Well,
2: that maybe, thing. you know, it is a disaster of a film, so maybe it's. Hey, hey, it's clear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And it's just then, and, and like, honestly, it has more transphobic jokes in, in <laughs> oh its runtime. Kung Fu than like on any- the poster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. It's so just ridiculous. It's so fucking hard to watch. So that's that's what that is the legacy of our filmmakers today. <laughs> that's that's our leading.
2: Oh yeah, I, I wanted to ask you one thing though before we got into that. Okay, okay. So a, a certain trailer came out this week. Did it? And I want us to get your opinion of said trailer, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, okay, that. I don't that. Really want an opinion on it. You don't want an opinion. <laughs> I didn't like
1: the trailer. Did you not? If I'm it? really honest, no, oh. I didn't. And like, I, I I'm going to just reserve judgment for whatever the film is. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel I don't know what film they're making. I don't know what film they think that they're making a sequel to. I guess that's more the question.
2: Well, they, like, yeah, I hear that. Like, it's it's, it doesn't it's, come the across tone as of a comedy. It is,
1: no not in the slightest like and I know like the comedy in both Ghostbusters is weird but it's it's yeah. not this that's like so fucking that's not even tongue in cheek this is not this is like this is po-faced taking I wouldn't this say material totally, seriously
2: I wouldn't say it's totally po-faced but I think what it it's more of a result of I think this is like Jason Reitman thinking okay if I was to do a Ghostbusters film what would I do we haven't got Harold Ramis ah it's all about it Egon not being there. Do you know what I mean? I think that was his hook. This film wouldn't exist if he didn't. And then it's also because his dad directed the other two. So it's kind of... I think that's where it all stems from, is that sentimentality of...
1: Yeah, and I think that's the problem with it. Like, I think, like... I think his, his, like, obsession with dealing through his... You know, dealing with his dad's legacy and him as a filmmaker being his dad's son in... Playing that through a Ghostbusters film might have a really weird result. Like, and like again, I won't. You know, the film might be great, but like, it, I just feel it might have too much baggage for a fucking Ghostbusters film.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm on two. I'm on this. I'm on two sides of the fence because one, I think Ghostbusters is a great little comedic horror comedy. Mm action gem you know that that kind of it's it, yeah it didn't need a sequel because it did it it did what it needs to do they it's four guys who catch ghosts and that's the kind of the premise yeah yeah then you've got the second one which is like more or less more of the same because yeah. they didn't think they didn't think oh we could expand upon it or whatever they just kind of thought well let's just do what we did it worked the first yeah. time let's just do it again yeah and and i think maybe if they did the opposite where. They did the Star Wars approach where it went a bit bigger then maybe they could have done that, but I don't know if it can. So, it's yeah. I just don't think Ghostbusters. Is the, I mean,
1: I know people love this franchise, but I just don't think Ghostbusters is the right film to take so seriously and to expand so much. Like, I just don't think it. Whole. I don't think it has the foundation.
2: Like there Obviously. is law in Ghostbusters. Like there's I the prison. Yeah. There's, the, there's the prison scene where they're talking about you know Sh- Evo Shandor and stuff like that. Sure. And um, but like we were saying before, like I like that stuff. Normally, as just being in the background. It's there just to kind of give. It's just like just something to kind of give the story a bit of a setting and a bit of you know.
1: Yeah, it's 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 world building, building. rather than franchise creating. Yeah. Do you know like?
2: So, so on on that hand I don't really like cuz you know Ghostbusters 1 is in my top 10 of films of all time. Ghostbusters 2 yeah. is not even in the top 500, you know what I mean? It's Sure, yeah. but it's, it's still a film I still have some nostalgia for. Oh yeah. But um so I'm a bit trepidatious about this third film, but at the same time it's Ghostbusters <laughs> no, <but> I'm, <laughs> I'm at two minds, you know, and you know, I going to get to see Bill Murray as Peter Vankman, It's weird because you see Bill Ma- Bill Murray in films every year, yeah. But the fact that he's gonna be Peter Vankman it I don't <laughs> that know. That still it, works for you. It's gonna have a weird yeah. Um, it's, it's and the fact that it's thirty two years later, it's gonna be a bit weird. But I don't know. I bought into Han Solo in Force Awakens, so I'm sure I can. Uh, true. Buy into this. I don't know. It's
1: uh yeah. Well, uh, I don't know.
2: I like know. I don't know how I feel about kid ghostbusters but
1: I'm kind of fine with that element of it but it yeah. just feels like it just feels like it just feels also like meticulously designed to a point that I don't feel like it's comfortable like it like it feels like it's like well it wouldn't exist without stranger things you know it just feels like that and it feels like it wouldn't exist without Jason Whiteman doing it the way you said, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel fun to me. It feels like the trailer felt like a chore.
2: To like me. I don't know, if I casting, can't describe it any other way. I don't know if casting Finn Wolfhard was like a stroke of genius or what, because like if you follow the hashtag Ghostbusters on Instagram, or you get a pictures of Finn Wolfhard, like right. he's got a massive, massive following.
1: It's gonna make bank.
2: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> yeah. him alone, you know, it might. It, it might just kind of set it on fire but um
1: it's a you know it's a difficult thing as you say 32 years and if you like like 32 years sequel or whatever like are people really going to be that excited for dan aqua it, it's a weird thing Finn to do a,
2: it's a weird thing to do a legacy sequel of but on the the only other option is you do a passing of well i guess this is a passing of the torch kind of film i guess I'm guessing it is, but like, yeah. what your other option would have been in the '90s, where you'd have had it passed down to Ben Stiller or whoever was <laughs> yeah. going to be. You know, that was definitely on the cards. I'm sure that definitely was on. The and cards, then you yeah. have the, then you have the girl Ghostbusters, which you know, obviously, didn't really work out as they hoped. In the uh, well, yeah,
1: that, and that was just because, I mean, it got the bullshit, like, sexism and crap against it. But that was mainly didn't work because the writing of the comedy was, was just different a, to the tone of the film that people were coming to see. And well, not only that,
2: I... it wasn't funny though. Let's, let's well, yeah,
1: just, just... Like, <laughs> but if someone told me they found it funny, I couldn't argue with them. But it was well, still yeah. a different tone to like the actual idea of the comedy in Ghostbusters. It was just this kind of very loose improv stuff, and the scenes going on for like four hours.
2: <laughs> like... Yeah, like th- th- my <laughs> and... favourite is the scene in Go- the original Ghostbusters where they get the car, and I think there's like three line exchange between Peter and Dan. He's like, "You can't yeah. park that here." There's a five-minute sequence when they get the car in the the new one. And I'm like, what's going on?
1: <laughs> and it's the same, like, and in the way that they're like the original Ghostbusters was such, such like a a um, tightly written script, you know, that they pulled through and pulled over loads before shooting it. Um, I worry that like treating elements of the original Ghostbusters as, as like sacred cows yeah. is going to feel really s- stupid to me it already does feel stupid to me like this, like the way that people were even, so I think some, I read somewhere or someone said to me that like, it feels like it feels like a, it feels like someone who's making Ghostbusters film based entirely upon the merchandise they remember from the original Ghostbusters film uh, and not actually the film. And I get <laughs> that. Like, I feel that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know what you mean. like And, but again I I want it to be good you know I, I, I want it to be good I like Ghostbusters I want this to work you know but I just get a weird I, feeling with it
2: I just I just think they're coming at it with the from a good place like you know like you know yeah the, sure like you know in the in the original film where it's got the song mm. I believe it's magic and there's like all the purple pink kind of streams coming out of uh the Ghostbusters headquarters. The oh, Fire yeah, Outs yeah. Magic, like magic. They found all the original animation of that because it's all hand drawn and stuff like that. And they've found all the original footage of that. And if you watch the trailer and you see all that, that's the same. It's the same animation. They've like rescanned <laughs> it all and put it all digitized it. And I, I kind of like that. that touch that's that cool. It's, it's going to have like some, like, you know, you've got the minor zombie kind of ghost in there. And it's a practical ghost, like the, uh, the, yeah, Ga- the cab I ghost like the in the first stuff, one, yeah. and I really like that, that they're doing real practical stuff yeah. in it as well. And you know, the the car driving through the, uh, the hay fields is real. You know what I mean? And it's definitely gonna have a nice, at least from a filmmaking perspective, whether or not the film story works or not. Sure. But at least from that side of things, I do like that they're going back to some old techniques and methods and stuff.
1: Sure, I like that. It is so weird that it's set in a bloody middle America.
2: Well, is- I think the idea is that it's the Evo Shandor mine. Uh, the guy who kind of sure. built the, you know, the big tower block in New York or whatever. Yeah. And if you watch the trailers, all Evo Shandor stuff all around the town. So it's like obviously he's he was a big part of this town many many years ago. So I don't know if it's about that the town is kind of evil anyway, or they're like all. Goza worshippers or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll right. find out. Yeah. I don't know how I, I feel about weird. the mini it... puffs. That seems a bit too calculated. Yeah. And I know and I know they shot it before baby Yoda was even a thing, but it 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 definitely leans into the baby group and the baby yeah, thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, we can sell plushies.
1: We can sell plushies, and everyone remembers it.
2: <laughs> I'm just I'm <laughs> hoping they don't morph together to form a giant state puff. I just hope that doesn't happen.
1: Well, they've already got the Devil Dogs in it, so they're already bringing back all the classics.
2: Oh, they're a bit different now. They walk up right now. They're, it's called something else. They're the Devil Dogs, <laughs> yeah. but they're not—they're not claymation, though. No, but apparently, they are puppets the, as well. So there was cool. two
1: things I remember, like when the first like photo of this this first like photo of them shooting it, or like that little weird trailer when it was like the car under a dust sheet, and I think that was a viral like tweet that went like. Um, trailer opens darkness husky woman's voice who are you gonna call (laughs) like and like and then a slow version of like the original theme song plays over the film and then (laughs) i was like and then watching this i was like yeah they just read that viral tweet and did it like yeah (laughs) just like really have just lent into that like like less aesthetic for some god no reason and just the fact that like i was laughing because like the clifford trailer came out about a week. The big ago. red dog. Yeah, the big red dog trailer. And like um big red dog trailer. And like the Clifford's set in like upstate New York on like farms. And now like the film it's set in like New York City. So it's almost like Ghostbusters and Clifford swapped locations <laughs> <laughs> when filming. And for I, some I, reason.
2: I watched the trailer for that and I was like, Is that Jack Whitehall?
1: Yes, it is Jack Whitehall. And I was like and I
2: was like, Is Jack Whitehall doing an American accent? What's going on? I think he's trying to. Yeah, he's
1: trying like, to. He's going. positioning himself to be the next James Corden. Who uh,
2: I don't okay. hate. I don't hate Jack Whitehall, but don't say that because it's another person I have to hate. I don't like him. <laughs> I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't have an opinion of him. Let's put it that way.
1: I don't know why. I don't know why I don't like him. He's, Corden, I think like because he's in um, Jungle Cruise that's coming out soon, isn't he? He's playing Disney's first gay character. Um, oh, okay. cue cue that there's a meme from avatar in the the different press releases disney released over the years announcing their first gay character (laughs) that they keep doing every year This is our new first gay character so this is their new 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 first gay character and then it leaked that like it's literally like in the script he says something along the lines of um he's not interested in ladies and he has like a a a live-in a live-in friend or something like that it's really like just coded language and it's nothing like it's it's not any sort of representation
2: isn't loki technically disney's first gay character
1: who knows who's disney's first gay character
2: is? <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the final of that by the way
1: oh i loved it i really loved it yeah I um yeah I, it was exactly what i wanted actually just just that kind of gripping conversation and stuff and introducing to like a a character I'm hoping we'll see more eventually. Do
2: you think he'll have a blue face when we see him next? They've got to do the blue face. I'll be at some upset point. if they don't do the blue face with the big Even headphone if... things. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Does he it's a mask,
2: isn't it, Kang? Isn't it a blue mask? Is it a mask? Yeah. It might be a mask.
1: I think so. I feel like I've seen it get torn before in, in comics. I might be, Maybe. I don't know. We've talked for far too long without going into this film.
2: Well, <laughs> you was, you mentioned you were talking about Disney, the film we're talking yes. about today. Was at the time of its release the highest-grossing Disney film, I believe. Is that right?
1: Yep. Wow, I did not know that. I did watch it on Disney Plus actually, and didn't even clock to me that it was a Disney film. I
2: could have watched it on Disney Plus, and I didn't have to illegally download it. (laughs) I
1: know. (laughs) So yeah, today's film is *Ruthless People* from 1986.
0: mr stone he wanted to kill mrs stone my only regret carol is that the plan isn't more violent until something wonderful happened mr stone we have kidnapped your wife imagine someone demanding money from me to keep barbara alive idiots Now, he's doing everything inhumanly possible so she'll never come back. Don't you consider throwing a body off a cliff in the dead of night, miles? Nah, she'll be unconscious. He's going to pay. He's going to pay. Bad chance. I'm going to drop the price to $10,000. I'm being marked down? That woman ain't coming back. (laughs) Ruthless People, starring Danny DeVito. I hate the way she... Flick stamps. I hate her furniture. And I hate that little sound she makes when she sleeps. Judge Reinhold. They said they wouldn't follow me. (laughs) You can't trust the police. Helen Slater. No matter what I do or as nice as I can be, she, she just tears into me. She hates me. Sandy, you're her kidnapper. She's supposed to hate you. And Bette Midler as Barbara Stone. It's not her. You miserable dumb-sucking pig! Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. They made me say that. Along with the most ruthless cast of characters ever assembled. You ah! <laughs> so miserable! Spineless glint. Complete moron. You inhuman slime. Perhaps we should shoot her. My husband worships the ground I walk on. When he hears about this, he will explode. Ruthless people. I dare you to kill her. Now that ought to do it.
1: So they're this film, I don't know, starring uh, Dane DeVito and Bette Midler, really. Um, uh, they are... Um,
2: um, um, Judge Reinhold.
1: I think the billing order was Dane DeVito, Judge Reinhold, Helen Slater and Bette Midler as... And then I think it went into the three card and Bill Pullman was on it. I think that was yeah. the billing order. I took notice of the billing order for some reason when I was watching it. <laughs> what's this film about this is Dan DeVito is a billionaire millionaire I don't know he's rich Um, he hates his wife and some people who were unconnected to them broadly kidnap his wife and ask for ransom
2: well they're connected in the fact that sorry you're just doing a rough rough, uh, (laughs) summation of the plot aren't you sorry (laughs) yes that's all I was doing (laughs) hang on I've just unplugged my headphones
1: this is going well. I blame the vaccine.
2: Sorry, I am back.
1: Um, Sorry. but like, I think really before going into the plot, the reason this kind of ended up on our little list, really, yeah, cause what because what did this
2: replace?
1: This replaced some indie that I can't remember its name. I was the one with River's Edge, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because like, I just kind of wanted to cover like a studio comedy film, really. Like, like studio comedies in the eighties were big things, you know, mm. like. Um, and they set alight a loads of careers, really. Well, oh, we even just talked we, about one. We, for I a good. was about <laughs> to say we literally did just talk about a big studio comedy. Yeah. Um. So like, I figured it'd be quite nice to kind of do a big studio comedy that we hadn't seen before, and this was huge back in the day. This was a big film, like it. As you said, it was the biggest. Did you say biggest Disney film at the time? I'm pretty
2: sure. Let me just check. Uh reception uh the film was a financial success grossing 71.6 million compared to the relatively frugal budget of the film's production it was disney's highest grossing film excluding reissues and
1: it got a cinema score hit of a so yeah talk all about the cinema scores a minor sorry but and and like the reason this was so big is because there were three people in kind of 80s 80s comedies making that we I think we don't talk about anymore really because they died a death frankly but like um but zucker's abrahams and zucker who um who were the directing team of this they had made the biggest comedy films of all time up until this point and this was their last film together as well uh before they even they split off their own careers which we'll get to because i think their own careers are fascinating but if you don't know who zucker's Abraham and zucker are who's like zaz like to shorthand um, they made, like, uh, Airplane in 1980. And f- as one of the films that changed the landscape of what comedy was and what comedy still is doing, I think, in film, it was Airplane. It mm-hmm. was such a giant, giant film that impacted, I think, just everything. I think it impacted everything in Hollywood, frankly. It impacted, like, action films. It impacted comedies. It almost It didn't invent the spoof, but it made it big business, I think. Compared to Mel Brooks' films, um, it's crazy. I think really.
2: And the the best thing about Airplane is it's like beat for beat, like a remake, isn't it of a film? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah which yeah, one yeah. is it? Is it was it Airport? No, what's it called?
1: The... Yeah, it, it was a remake of a film called Zero Hour, which is like a, a stupid like um, action action kind of um, sequel to the uh, Airplane or Airport series. I think they were called right. There were like a series of like airport disaster films, and Zero Hour was one of them. And it was Wasn't about Lloyd like Bridges in it as well. Yeah, they literally they bought the rights to Zero Hour and remade it, frankly, as airplane and casted the actors as much as they could as well. But um, and they wanted to cast like dramatic actors, so they cast like Peter Graves, Robert Stack, Lloyd Bridges, and Leslie Nielsen to just deliver this script more than anything else. Um, and it was giant, I mean air- this set their careers forever <laughs> basically Airplane did, it's hard to say it's hard to kind of try and sum it up I think.
2: Before this, did they direct the Kentucky Fried movie as well or did they just write that?
1: Yeah, they actually wrote it, John Landis directed it oh, Was but, it John um, Landis, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, that actually, like Zuckers, Abe, and Zuckers they're all from like Wisconsin uh, they were all from like the kind of uh, they they had a um, a sketch show up in Wisconsin in the, in the university up there which was the uh, Kentucky Fried Theatre, and that was full of like sketches and full of like um, like pop culture takes. Really, I guess we'd call it nowadays. They always was that said kind that they of had...
2: like you know like you know the Bill Murray troops and all that. What they call like the yeah. second city, yeah, yeah, and that kind second of, city like, and stuff like that. Like kind that, of yeah. stuff Radio City, yeah, yeah, totally.
1: <clears> and like they they basically were doing this in the sixties, and they. They base. They kind of just said they didn't care about political humor. They said all the other troops were doing like political humor. They were doing stuff because of like Vietnam and like like Nixon leading into the seventies and stuff like that. And they just didn't care about that stuff. It wasn't. They didn't know enough about it to kind of spoof it. So they just used to like to spoof the films they watched and the ridiculous TV they watched. Um. So their their theater show, their sketch show, was just full of that like, like stuff about pop culture and like tv shows adverts movies and things and that was really big um really really big sketch show that ends up they met harold ramis sorry not harold ramis yeah who did i say directed it john landis. john landis they met john landis down in california who hadn't done anything at that point and just said like look we got this script that we put together do you want to direct it because we don't know what we're doing and um, the Kentucky Fried th- movie was was huge. It, again, it was a really, really big influential film. Um, they only made it because they couldn't get their airplane script kind of produced. But the Kentucky Fried movie, like, comes out in 77. It's a sketch movie. It's, it's you know, it's full of full of sketches all the way through. I think it's based on, like, the idea is you're kind of watching, like, a TV channel and it's all the ridiculous shows oh, you know, that like are in the TV channel. You. Yeah. Um, and it basically, like, inve- like it's... Uh, Lord Michaels watched this and said we should have a TV show that's like this, and invented SNL. Oh, so pre predated it. SNL. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow. it's incredibly influential in what became kind of like comedy, really, throughout the '80s. Um, from Kentucky Fried Movie, that's when they get Airplane! Airplane! One of the biggest comedy movies ever been made. I think it made some near 200 million in box office, and it was made for like three or something. You know, like just just absolutely huge. Uh the thing with airplane, it was just jokes an absolute second. Like every single line's a joke, every delivery of it is a joke, every kind of scene of it is a is a is a rip take. Um it's just spoof after spoof after spoof after spoof and you can't and it's packed, packed, packed full of those kind of jokes. I mean, you still like airplane, I'm sure.
2: Like Yeah, I mean it's been a long time since I watched it, like, if I'm honest. There's a, only a handful of jokes I remember. I remember like the autumn, the you know the, the spare pilot or whatever that inflates. Yeah, yeah. The, the young yeah, girl who I, wants yeah, a totally. black coffee. <laughs> I remember that joke. Um, I always yeah, remember Lloyd Bridges. I remember yeah.
1: like it's a like the bad day to quit smoking and bad day to stop sniffing glue. I always remember those bits of it.
2: Yeah, and don't call me Shirley stuff. Don't like call that. me Shirley, of course. Yeah.
1: Um, but as you say, they bought Zero Hours of plot. They actually remade it, and that just set them on their kind of course really so after like after Airplane they make um Top Secret uh, Well,
2: Kilmer I should say first they actually
1: make a, yeah they actually, I should say actually they do Police Squad first as a TV show yeah, yeah. Uh, so Police Squad's Lady Nielsen um, and that goes nowhere like no one watches Police Squad <laughs> Police, um,
2: Police Squad's Squad. really good though
1: I've heard it's really good it's yeah. six episodes and that's it like
2: it's a well made show
1: um. Yeah, that's their four range of TV. That didn't work out very did well. They, so they
2: did they have anything to do with the sequel of Airplane or not? No. no, no, they didn't.
1: No, they'd moved on by that point. So yeah, and then they do Top Secret in 1984, and Top Secret, as you say, it was um, it's uh, Val Kilmer's. Is it his first role? I think it is. Isn't
2: yeah, it? yeah, and Michael Goth's yeah. in it as well. Who is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I Am haven't seen Peter
1: Cushing's in it as well. I haven't a seen Top Secret since I was a kid. I think. Yeah, same. So I I don't remember it at all. I remember some Elvis thing or something in it. Um, yeah, it's like a it's like well, a I think spoof that's of what I think like it's spy a spoof films, of isn't it?
2: Well, I think it's a spoof of like the films that Elvis did. Oh, okay. And things like okay. and a spy film as well. So like musical, you know, that like the musical films that Elvis did. Yeah. So I think it's got some musical elements in it as well.
1: But I know it like it. It worked as well. That was another success, you know, like it it started, as you say, Val Kilmer's career. Um, I think it was a huge film again. And so off the back of that, this is their next film, Ruthless People. And we'll get to Ruthless People in a second because Ruthless People are actually kind of weird is the fact that it's not a spoof. It's not written by them. Um, it's not a Joker second type of film. It's, it's actually like just a comedic film so it's actually a bit kind of against the grain for them but um, it was much more of a hit than uh, Top Secret was like as you say it was a huge film and at that point basically Zuckers Abrams Zuckers they split up they go their separate ways Um, I was trying to find out like why they split up it's really not easy to find and it seems to be basically that um, they wanted to make more money because like if you're like three co-directors on a film they're not going to pay you yeah 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 yeah, they're going to pay you just how much they would pay one director. Um, so they basically just split up to make more money, as far as I can tell. It seems like they stayed friends. It wasn't like a big anything like that. Um, but they just wanted to make more money, which whatever. Uh, then it gets weird. I think their individual careers are, are just so bizarre. Because you get like, um, they do like jim abraham's first so he does big business which is a, is a spoof of bet middler which no one watches uh, he did welcome home roxy carmichael which i've never seen that film like, like with winona ryder and jeff daniels uh never never no no no, no. i what that is but then he comes back and does hot shots and hot shots part the for my money like i watched those a thousand times growing up like those, were, those
2: we i definitely watched those a lot of yours
1: yeah, those VHSs were well worn. I think, yeah. like continuously, and yeah, two absolutely- crabs.
2: They work in pairs. <laughs> yeah, they work in pairs. <laughs> and I think it was my introduction <laughs> to Ryan Styles, the second one as well.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I forgot he was in that. And uh, those, um, you know, back to kind of big spoofs again. If we talk about them inventing or kind of popularizing the spoof films, I think those two were massive. And really, I don't think he did. He didn't. That was the last time he did anything noteworthy. his last film was Mafia, which was like a spoof of like um crime films. But I don't know anyone I've never seen it. Don't know anyone to yeah, like, talk to about the, it. Like,
2: the the picture the poster is of like, you know, like the godfather is of the you know, the marionette puppet kind of yeah. controlling device. But it's like a, yeah. a spoon and a fork with spaghetti on it. <laughs> so that's hey. the level of <laughs>
1: Oh, he has got Jay Moore as the lead. Well, wow. Jay Moore leading vehicle. God. Uh then you got like David Zucker. David Zucker's like, he's the one who straight away does Naked Gun, um, which is a Stone Cold classic as far yeah. as I'm concerned. <laughs> like uh, um and then he follows up with Naked Gun two and a half, The Smell of Fear, which I think is also awesome. Like yep. I uh I just love Leslie Nilsson. I think Leslie Nilsson's so just so good in those roles and so funny. He does a film called, for goodness sake, that I've never heard of. And then he comes back and he does Basketball in 1998.
2: <laughs> well, I think he wrote that, didn't he? I don't think he... directed direct that?
1: Yeah, he directed it. He wrote and directed it. Uh, oh, yeah, he did. Which, sorry, I was looking at the wrong film. I never occurred to me Basketball was anything but Trey Parker and Matt Stone, frankly. I was, I, looking was at high sc-
2: I was looking at High School High because he wrote that. Oh, OK. And yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. one with John Lovitz. And it's basically like a spoof of, like... Um, you know, those kind of, like, 90s kind of hard-as-nail schools, like, you know... Uh, what's oh, the, one with like the Dangerous Minds. Yeah, stuff like that, yeah. yeah. And then you've got... Uh, he, he also wrote Naked Gun 33 and a third.
1: He did, yeah, we didn't direct it, yeah. It's not very good. No, that one isn't very good. <laughs> and then, like, he does something called The Boss's Daughter, and then that doesn't go anywhere. So he actually takes over the Scary Movie franchise. He does Scary Movie 3 and 4 which is pretty sad because those films are bad. And his last film, like, like basically after 9-11, <laughs> I don't know why I have to talk about 9-11, but after day- 9-11, David Zucker, like, loses his mind and goes Republican. Um, oh, okay. He, he, and uh, so he makes a spoof about liberals <laughs> in 2008 called um, An American Carol. Um, it was actually released as big fat important movie I don't know what this idea with spoof movies were they had to be called like something movie in the like, to, like 2008 is that meant to
2: be Michael what? Moore in the poster yeah it's a spoof <laughs> of like Michael
1: Moore films and he's visited by three like ghosts of the American past or whatever like <laughs> oh, it's I think it's like George S. Patton is played by Kelsey Grammer of Abraham course Lincoln's. he's going to be in it isn't he of course he's going to be in it yeah totally It's uh, um, Abraham Lincoln, I think, visits him. I don't know who played it. Just a
2: question: Does Kelsey Grammer in real life does that ruin Fraser for you? No, no. no. You can. (laughs) What's it? What's the thing? You can look past the. I could separate that. Separate the art from the artist. (laughs) Well, it's easy because he's an idiot.
1: In real life, he's just an idiot. It's not. He's not like he's like a problem. He's just an idiot.
2: That's gonna be weird when that comes back. Yeah, I don't know why they're even
1: bothering with that at all. Anyway. So yeah. Get to the cast of this. So George Washington then visits him, played by John Voigt. <laughs> and it's all like the Republican of Hollywood. James Woods is in it. Um oh, of and, uh, course he is. and uh Leslie Nielsen's in it as well, playing Osama bin Nielsen, apparently. <laughs> and Dennis Hopper's in it. Kevin Sorbo's in it, that no not- notable oh, Kevin dear. Sorbo Christian filmed man.
2: Have you ever seen Traits. the tweets that Lucy Lawless has sent to him in the past? Yes. They're quite Lucy amusing. Lawless.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think Alan David... David David Alan Greer's in it as well. I don't like, honestly, it's played by... Michael Moore's played by Kevin Farley, you know, Chris Farley's brother as well.
2: $20 million Which, budget, $7 million box
1: office. $7 million box office. It's meant to be absolute trash. And it's one of those, like, Republicans, you know, right-wingers can't do comedy kind of things. <laughs>
2: Paris Hilton cameos in it, so yeah, you know it's, you know it's of quality. It's of that time period, isn't it?
1: But any, yeah, that was his last film. Surprisingly, he's never made anything since, which I don't think as Su- much.
2: Sadly, much Zachary Levi's in it or Levy, but I'll let I'll let him off.
1: <laughs> um, then to the other Zucker, Jerry Zucker. So he does. Uh, this is the biggest
2: twist. <laughs> the so weird after, one. Like, I never knew this.
1: So after Rufus People*, his next film is *Ghost*, which yeah. is like insane. <laughs> like,
2: Five hundred million dollar um, box I know. office. That's I know it crazy. was crazy. Like,
1: it was like bloody *Avengers: Endgame*. It's so big, like proper dramatic role. It has got comedy in it, but like you know, a dramatic film. Um, I just that is the biggest film that any any of the triple ever made, really. He follows up years later. It's like five years later. He does First Night <laughs> with like uh, Richard Gere and like Sean Connery, um, the medieval like medieval fantasy film. Which I barely remember First Night, but I remember it existing. Is that the one they um, got
2: in trouble with? No, I'm getting confused with the Heath Ledger one. They got in trouble for creating yeah. a fake, uh, a fake uh, critic, and people got to get their money back.
1: <laughs> did they really do that? They yeah, just invited someone who went. This film's wonderful. Is
2: is Sean Connery in the first night?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sean Connery plays King Arthur and Richard Gere plays Lancelot, and it's about Lancelot and Lady Guinevere romance. And it has like it's it's like completely po face. It's like no magic or anything like that. And I don't know. I, I just did.
2: Really I just did inflation calculator on. Um... Oh yeah. The Ghost Budget uh box office it's double that so it's over a billion in today's money. That's that's massive.
1: It's impossible to quantify how big Ghost was. <laughs> like it really is impossible to quantify how huge that film I was. I did
2: not know it was that big. That's and crazy. It's,
1: and not not even just like being in money in, in terms of cultural footprint again. Like of just that scene with the pottery that Oh, that's the, um, still
2: being spoofed to this day
1: to this day yeah with the Unchained Melody as well and everything like that it's just insanity how big that film was and that, yeah so he follows up First Night with Rat Race <laughs> which I didn't know either <laughs> like, but he hasn't done and I, anything since then hasn't done nothing since Rat Race yeah and I, I I, will not go to bat for Rat Race but in 2001 I loved that film so
2: I have never seen it Um, Ollie It's one of those ones I've seen bits of on TV, but I've never seen it Mm. all the way through.
1: I can't imagine it holds up in the fucking slightest. Like I I can't, like I just can't. But I just think that's such a weird career. I think that that these four like spoof films, these four huge like inventing the '80s spoof film, then doing Ghost, and then like finishing the Rat Race is just so bizarre. And I'm guessing they're never making films again. None of them have directed anything since The American Carol was the last one all three of them did. But it's they're weird, like cultural footprints of American filmmaking, especially in the '80s. Like that's big box office. That's big cultural memory. That's big, like ch- shifting how we do comedy. Really, it just felt right to kind of talk about them a little bit.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. but, ruthless people then. Ruthless People.
1: Yeah. As I say, Ruthless People is a bit of a standout of all that because it isn't actually a spoof film. It's literally just an adaptation of. Um, oh, what was it? An adaptation of again. Let me look that up. You have to cut this out.
2: Well, i heard it's based on. Slightly based on a true story. Oh, really? Yeah. Hang on. Let me find it. Um, so it's a weird,
1: like, adaptation of where? a short story from.
2: Oh, when was it?
1: When was it written? I can't even find that out. It's like something like uh nine nineteen ten or something like, which is called "The Ransom of Red Chief," a short story written by O. Henry. Um, it's about like two men who kidnap and demand a ransom for like someone's son. Um, but the men are driven like insane because the boy is really kind of spoiled and hyperactive, and they actually end up paying the boy's father to take the kid back, or something like. It's one of those short comedy stories. So it's basically just an adaptation of that, more than anything else, um, by the American writer O. Henry, and um, it was adapted by um, uh, it was adapted by Dale Lorna, who he would end up going have, having a pretty damn successful career in comedy writing as well, because he went on to do Blind Date in in 1987, then doing the Frank Oz film Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, uh, and following that up as well with My Cousin Vinny. Uh, which my cousin Vinny is one of the most dan- films or comedy films of all time that holds up i think like my cousin it is, is, a, just, it is good it's such a solid script as well like um so it kind of got all the kind of like elements of this to make something really really crazily successful including cinematographer jander bond <laughs> i know I S-
2: speed and twister <laughs> yeah. jander bond it's Weird
1: little element that I just never come. I'd never really even come across this film before, or even heard of it, um, at all. Really, I, this is
2: what this is what I was looking for. So, according to Wikipedia, although it's perceived that Ruthless People was influenced by O. Henry's story, The Ransom of the Red Chief, writer Dale Lorna claims that it was inspired by the kidnapping of Patricia, Patricia Hurst, and the similarities between the film and the earlier story were co- just a coincidence. Huh, so, okay. so Patty Hearst is a, she's a American author and actress who was kidnapped when she, for 19 months in 1974, but she was also arrested Whoa. for um, aiding and betting her kidnappers. Huh. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much of it was, but apparently she was pardoned by Bill Clinton.
1: <laughs> what? I know that name. I know that yeah. name for some reason, but I couldn't, I couldn't pull anything from the story. That's weird, but I also I also love this film because it's the eighties and Danny oh, DeVito is the lead.
2: It's the most eighties film, like this. so. <laughs> it starts off with an animated, like a very gaudy psychedelic kind of animated intro. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this intro, and week. I was watching this. and I was like, I know this looks very familiar. Okay, uh, yeah, and and then Mannequin popped into my head, so I went on to okay. walk, I went on to uh, IMDb, and it's the same animator. <laughs> and her name's, her name's Sally um, Crookshank or Crookshank. Okay. Yeah. And so she also did um, the intro sequences to Loverboy as well. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah okay. Which
2: has got Patrick Dempsey. She also did the intro sequence to or an animation sequence in uh, Top Secret. And <laughs> cool. she also did a short film called... Um, it's called Face Like a Frog. Okay. And it's like just a very bizarre kind of trippy animated film. But the soundtrack is by Oingo Boingo, or I think they're credited right. as The Mystic Knights, because they used to be <laughs> called The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. And um, I was reading into it, and apparently she paid Oingo Boingo to do the soundtrack for her. So technically she owns it, but she can't, or she's uploaded it to Instagram. To, to youtube but she keeps getting flagged for copyright even though she owns the copyright no way and apparently Geffen the the uh the record label saying they own it even though she paid for it
1: sure sure but she That's... seems
2: like a very cool lady in the animation industry like really pushing like uh, women's animation forward yeah and i think she did like segments in like sesame street so when we were kids we may have seen some of her like little weird little psychedelic animations like telling you how to Count it to 10 or whatever.
1: <laughs> it did. You were saying that. It did, did kind of remind me of that kind of like colourful, hard line kind of animation yeah. you see in Sesame Street. I was trying to put my finger on it when I was watching it, what it actually reminded me of, and I couldn't really think of anything. It kind of, a little bit, was like Rocco's Modern Life in a weird way. Like the kind of colours and the way everything kind of moves a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, that, yeah.
1: It's that proper like mtv era like like animation that oh yeah you can definitely to... see
2: an ident an mtv ident like that or something yeah. like that you know she also was on she worked on the twilight zone movie as well segment segment three which i think may have been the same oh, that with the kid yeah yeah definitely yeah the kid who kind of like wishes or imagines thing i can't remember now but it's the one that's directed by um, Birds Joe Dante.
1: Joe Dante. yeah, Joe Dante. yeah. So it's all about kind of those characters and those costumes and things.
2: But I miss like full-on animated intro sequences. Like me this. too. Yeah, me uh, too. Like I there was wrote... loads. There was loads of like what's uh, it Savage Steve Johnson films that had them, and he's the guy who created Eek the Cat. And like his yeah, films, like sure. Better Off Dead and One Hot Summer or One Long Summer or something with John Cusack, yeah. and they all had like animated intros and stuff. And, like, I Honey, like I'm sure the kids attack. had one as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. And this is all, like, basically, like, the kind of scenes, the scenery in this film is trying to kind of kill everything else in the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, like, bits of, like, plants are turning into poison and chairs are turning into, like, chainsaws and stuff like that and attacking all the other things in the scenes. It's. So I really liked this intro, this animated intro. A with,
2: with a Mick Jagger track behind, backing it. Yes, in this- <laughs> yes,
1: this. I when I um when this started and it got got with like a, a opened up with a Mick Jagger track called "Ruthless People" <laughs> written for the film. I was like, "Yep, we're doing studio comedy. We said we will do a studio comedy, and this is absolutely a studio comedy. This is what they do." I was gonna say yes. Yeah, so I was gonna say like like one of the other things that really drew, drew me to watching this film was Danny DeVito as the lead, and I love just, I love Danny DeVito as a movie star.
2: Danny to Vito, like the perfect person for a, a dark, a black comedy yes. lead. Do yes. you know what I mean? So, like, he had Throw Mama from the Train. Uh, yeah, that the, film's the so war, good. The War of the Roses.
1: Yeah, 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 um, yeah, totally.
2: You know, Death to Smoochie. And, um, uh, and what's the show he's in now, like... Uh, Always Sunny in oh, Philadelphia, sunny, yeah. which is pretty yeah. much like about a bunch of narcissistic, horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so he, he obviously definitely loves to lean into that kind of.
1: Yeah. Thing. And I don't and like, know a lot of the stuff before this that he was doing. Obviously, he was the kind of the kind of foil in, like, Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile, mm-hmm. which I well, guess is that... Well, he meant
2: to be Sala in that. <laughs> That's what I always right, thought.
1: Kind of, yeah. But he is at least, he's at least, like, the kind of comedic foil, isn't he? Like, of the kind of hero. So he's a little villainous, but not the proper villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that must be what he did to see them, to put him in this. Because it's not... This must be one of the first times he's the lead of a film. Because it's it's, like, a bit of a gamble. To put Dane De DeVito as a lead of your film. He's not yeah, a leading man. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, he you well. know, if you look at the films that were coming around out around that time, yeah. you know, their previous film had, you know, as we were saying, Batman, what's his name? Val Kilmer in it. And, Val Kilmer, yeah. You know, he's a he was, you know, a very attractive man in his heyday, wasn't he? So I'm right. Okay, this
1: year, this year is literally like the first time he gets top billing in a film and it's this and and wise guys uh which he's got joe piscopo and him as the two head leads which is like another black kind of black mafia comedy thing Mm -hmm. so yeah it literally is like he just managed to build up that kind of um i don't know that kind of like uh husk (laughs) that kind of like energy or whatever at this time um to to take over the lead of a film and it it fucking works. And from then as you say, like from this, he never stops. That's what throw you know, Tin Men, Throw Mama, Twins, War the Roses, Batman Returns, Hoffa, you know, lax la- like Look Who's Talking, Renaissance Man, Junior, whatever. Go on and on and on and on. That's his like career after this, really. Um There's,
2: be- there's some definite Batman Returns penguinisms in his performance <laughs> in this, I think sometimes. <laughs> he's he's going around doing the <laughs>
1: I loved him. I, I just, I could, I could watch Danny DeVito do roles like this forever. I love like, the
2: way Danny DeVito just walks into places because he's kind yes. of like a <laughs> bit top heavy, so he just bowls forward like. Just... And in all the <laughs> sudden, he's suddenly, just, he leans just walking into that around with so a just kind of yeah, like just so just, unabashedly. Just, I'm just going to fucking kill her now, or we'll knock her out now.
1: Just unabashedly angry, and it's yeah. like when he's angry, like Danny DeVito, all parts of him. Oh, angry <laughs> like all parts of him are annoyed like his legs his arms his neck his face his torso like and he's, he's ready to kill someone like and that I I was like i'm in good hands when this opened up and it's got the scene with him um and the i can't remember her name but he's kind of like he's kind of like mistress who comes like bigger into the film carol anita morris that's anita it morris, like yeah. and uh he's um he's just like he married his wife because she was very very rich and her father and her father was her wealthy father was very 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 sick and then he just keeps going he explains how the father got over his sickness and just got kept on getting older and sicker and he just keeps going older and sicker older and sicker older and sicker and he wouldn't die and it um and i was just like yep okay i'm 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 fine with this this Danny. I'm fine with him leading this. He can be he can be the lead of this and be evil and it's funny. Like this is the perfect casting.
2: I mean we talk about like films with unlikable leads and stuff. Like he's as unlikable lead as it gets, but it but he's so yeah. good at it. He's so wonderful at it. Yeah. Really like?
1: And it quickly kind of moves into that, doesn't it? Like he gets home. And oh, hang, on, hang on, hang on.
2: You've got to you can't side go past his car. He drives this gigantic <laughs> red thing that's like we all know Dan DeVito is a very small man. This car is ginormous. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's giant.
1: It's absolutely giant. And then and his
2: house is the most 80s house you've ever oh seen. Oh
1: my god, yes. Like the furniture was all angles and colours and it was all yeah, asymmetrical. Everything in the house is asymmetrical. <laughs> neons and patterns and kind of black and white kind of checkered and just scion blues and then his office is just like wood paneling and leather yeah, like,
2: it's, it's almost like you know in Beetlejuice where like um a Catherine o'hara wants to decorate a house like it's like, mm. like it's like an art installation a bit but, but yeah. uh, her husband's like i just want this room to be left as <laughs> yeah, this is my yeah. room
1: just leave this one room please yeah totally And I guess it's meant to be garish. They're meant to be, like, garish people, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They're meant to be kind of, like, horrible, kind of garish people. I'm guessing this wasn't, like, in the 80s, if you went to go see it, you wouldn't think, yes, that's a normal living room.
2: (laughs) I mean, let's just say no one in this film gives a subtle performance. Probably maybe Helen Slater is the most subtle performer in the film. Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably fair. No one else is in the slightest.
2: Everyone's just larger than life, just massive performance. Like, we'll get to to bet Midler later on.
1: Bet <laughs> <laughs> Midler. Um, so yeah, he gets home and he's ready to kill his wife. This is one of the things about this film and we'll juggle with it as going through it. It's, this is a time when it's really good for us just to go through it because this film is confusing as hell. Like it has like, in, instead of being spoof, it's just farce and it's proper like American farce or French farce. And it's like all just this kind of every single Plot element twisting and winding around each other, that no one is really sure what anyone else is doing. Everyone else, everyone in the film has their own motivation, and all, it's all about money. Everyone is motivated about money in this, um, but they all come from even from the good angles. people, the ones
2: you're meant to root for, are still are about me. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and their reward is a financial reward. You know, it's the kind yeah. of <laughs> thing that Crispin Glover hated about um, Back to the Future, yeah, but uh, the, the, um they kind of weaving and of all those narratives and everyone else starts getting accused of each other's crimes during this so like if you're not paying attention you can get a bit lost about exactly what happening at what point and who the police think have done what and so on and so forth like which is f- great to watch i think really hard to talk about so <laughs> we'll see
2: going so, forward. So well, let's just but, go through it. So Danny DeVito is going to kill his wife, Bette Midler. Yes, yes, because
1: he wants her money.
2: Yeah, but then Carol, who is his mistress, knows yes. this is going to happen. Yeah. and her, She's got a, a younger fella played by Bill Pullman who's kind of like a bit yeah. of a dipsy kind of... He's dressed like he's like in Miami Vice or something. So yeah, she, the police
1: later in the film refer to him as the dumbest man that ever lived.
2: <laughs> yeah, so... She gets him to film the murder taking place because he's told her where it's going to take place.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Um, but unbeknownst to Danny DeVito, his wife Bette Midler is kidnapped by Judge Reinhold and Helen yeah. Slater. Yeah, and Helen Slater supergirl. is uh, your supergirl. Your supergirl, yeah. <laughs> she is a fashion designer or whatever, and created this spandex skirt, which then spandex Danny De- yeah, which Danny DeVito stole. Yes. And then made, and millions, made millions off that. Yeah. Because he so, is the
1: spandex miniskirt king, as he later yeah. says in the But film.
2: because his wife is already kidnapped, yeah. another car pulls up where the murder spots take place, and it's the police chief with a, I'm <laughs> guessing, a prostitute, a lady no, I think of the it night. Or, or,
1: I think it was just another, a married girl, woman, I think. Oh, uh, fair enough. Anyway, anyway
2: a, um, a sex worker. Sorry, I probably should say that. I don't know what the correct is. Anyway, <laughs> a um, sex worker. Um, so Bill Pullman's watching this and because he's so dumb oh yeah because the police chief goes oh, I want it to be really loud and vocal because I'll get off on that yeah so as he's filming this he's thinking she's getting murdered <laughs> but it's just like you know very loud sex
1: this is the dumbest part of the whole plot and the <laughs> fact that like the fact that like Carol just takes Bill Pullman's word for it and won't watch the video because he, he says it's so horrific and she, her screams will ring through me forever
2: kind of thing. <laughs> So Judge Reinhold, as the kidnapper, phones Danny DeVito and Reinhold. says, uh, $500,000 ransom for your wife. Uh, yes. Please don't call the police or the TV or whatever. And yeah. Like whatever like that. Or we'll kill her. Danny DeVito yeah. obviously wants his wife murdered. So he rings the police. That scene is it's,
1: absolute wonderful, Danny DeVito. Like, he
2: makes himself cry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> No, no. Ju- when I was on the phone with um, Judge Reinhold, so, like, he starts a bit going, like, where is my wife? Where is she? What have you done? And as he starts explaining about, like, I kidnapped her, and, you know, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that, you're not allowed to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, the camera's getting closer and closer, and Danny DeVito just starts getting happier and happier <laughs> in everything that Judge Reinhold says. Like, um and... He just starts going, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, I understand, I understand, and his face just goes happy, 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 and then it cuts to just like the media and police circus around like the entire house, like all the police, all the media are there, and um, Dan Devito is just hiding in his office drinking champagne or something, like just there's being a, happy as though.
2: There's a great scene later on where like Dan Devito, I think he's talking to one of the police officers, or I think he's like Doyle or whatever in the mask. But anyway, he. Uh, <laughs> He's like saying, I hate weak salesmen, you know, the ones who kind of always lower their price or whatever. Yeah. And then he's chatting to Judge Reinhold and the price is going down and down and down. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, where are we at? So, yeah, Danny DeVito calls all the media and the police. Um, Bill Pullman brings the tape back to Carol because mm. she's gonna she wants to blackmail Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. Saying, "I know you've murdered your wife," blah blah blah. She puts the tape in, but then decides, "Oh, I can't watch. It. It's too graphic. Well, it's, too... it's too graphic." Yeah. So she sends it to the police. No, she sends no, it to Vito. No. <laughs> sends it to first. <laughs> and it says, "I've bought you something s- special, or something. Something special um, for you. I or...
1: thought you would like to see this." Yeah. And then it says, "Like a special friend." or something <laughs> Had we? Did we
2: know that this was the police chief already, or was it not until? No, later on you read it's
1: not until there. later on. It's revealed it's the police chief. Yeah.
2: And then, so is he just getting off on it at first? Is that all? Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. Because it's That's really
1: me. it makes me laugh so much. He calls up Carol and says like, you know, thank you for the tape. This is wonderful. And he's describing that he wants to do it to her. Yeah, but like she- he goes, this is such a great idea. We'll go there and I'll do it to you, and you'll scream louder than anything else or something. And but she's taking it as a death threat because she thinks it it's a murder scene on the on the film. And he's trying to, like, you know, entice her into into a tryst or something.
2: So, meanwhile, Bette Midler is tied up in this house.
1: Yeah, cut to Bette Midler in, like, so in she, a sack.
2: So, she's, <laughs> in, like, she's got a very weird costume on with, like, weird spider legs on or something. I don't know. It's very yeah, weird.
1: Yeah, she's... It's very weird. Um I love the scene when they introduce her in, like she's in that sack and Judge Reinhold gets tries oh, to put yeah, her yeah. in like the kind of dungeon and she's just got her arms out through the sack and is beating the shit out of him.
2: Like that was really cracking me up. Like if you think Bette Midler's big in like hocus pocus or whatever <laughs> I don't I think she's even bigger in this, like I think she is. So throughout the whole of this film she's what from her chain to her bed she's watching um like exercise videos. And She's this obviously is so got, weird. She's got an this, issue with her weight. This whole element of it's so weird. So throughout the whole film, she's just working. <laughs> yeah. She's just working out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and like, they keep cutting to like the, at the beginning before she like loses the weight. Um, they keep cutting to like her pot belly. Yeah, it's like, like padding or something. Like, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, it's it's I Midler. <laughs> she's not fat. Like. So then, I could, okay. Sorry. And as yeah, just her slow like. Like I don't know what they're doing, commenting on like '80s kind of like fitness or whatever have you like, but um, the the slow just her obsession with fitness is so weird, and it's such a weird element to this that they keep just cutting to her with the chain on her leg, chain to the bed. She keeps just doing like push ups and running on the spot and everything. It's it's a yeah, it's as you say, it's a loud performance from Bettminer.
2: <laughs> okay, so now if I get this right now, so Carol. Then sends yes. the sex tape to the police chief because she thinks it's Danny DeVito murdering still on the tape.
1: Yes, so she sends so, it to kind of like uh, to to
2: to get him arrested. Yeah, so he watches it, obviously knows it's him, and thinks she's blackmailing him. <laughs> and right. she said, "Well, what do you want then from me?" And she's, "I want <laughs> you to arrest Sam, Danny DeVito." Yeah. So he arrests Danny DeVito, but Danny DeVito then wants to pay to get his wife back to prove that he hadn't murdered her. Yeah. Cause right? basically,
1: yeah. Cause so basically he, she he bribes framed, the police but... chief to get to, to arrest Dan DeVito. The police chief frames him whilst they're like arresting him, but also they find legitimate evidence of that. He could have murdered her. Like he finds like the bottle of chloroform. He finds out there he was having an affair. So then Dane DeVito has to try and prove that his wife isn't dead yet to get off from the murder charge. So he's now then committed to try and get her back from
2: Judge Reinhold. So, <laughs> um, and then, so Judge Reinhold owns like a um, a speaker or like a... Uh, yeah, yeah like these a, were weird
1: scenes. Not, like yeah, a TV
2: he, kind of hi-fi kind of shop. Like, like, the like the a Rich, shop Sounds yeah. or something. Yeah, And like he's shown to be quite a nice guy. Like, you know, people who... He's not you know, ruthless they, enough. Yeah, they think they want like the kind of like the super duper speaker, but he like tells them, you know, it's it's not really yeah. that good. This cheap one is actually better and stuff like that. And then when he tries to kind of con someone into buying the, the really extravagant speaker, he sees that his wife's pregnant and he's like, No, let me show you like a the yeah, decent one. This is but actually the good speaker. Yeah. But the police actually do some real investigation where they get the tire treads and they match up the tire treads and they link it to yeah. him and they go to yeah. visit him. But then this is when they find out they've got the the evidence on Danny DeVito.
1: Yeah, so they know him. Yeah, but Judge Reinhold doesn't know that they've counted him out either. So he thinks the police are still after him.
2: So is it this point he goes home then?
1: Yeah. So he goes home. What has happened in the middle is that Carol and Sandy Bet Midler, (laughs) Helen Slater, Sandy. Yeah. Yeah, they've. Become friends because she told Bett Midler how good she looks. That she's and lost at like twenty pounds, and she now decides that kidnapping is good for her health because she tried all the fad diets. She went a to, like, urine diet, camps. a urine injection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, I was injecting urine, and and none of it's ever worked for her. But kidnapping looks good on her. So she, so she, she, she's now like friends with them, and instead, like. Supergirl just lets Bette Midler out she oh no hang on her. hang
2: on hang on Bette Midler goes have you got a nice black dress that I can wear
1: oh yes and yes, so she yes, ends up yes. wearing yes. it. they
2: both dress up like they... Sandy does her hair like yeah yeah because like Helen Sandy
1: is like a designer so they try on all her dresses and they love like they both look great and they're doing each other's hair and they make they become friends basically and then um, Sandy admits to her to Bette Midler that like Originally they, they asked for um, 500,000 and Betmiller's Miller's like, well, that wouldn't be a problem. He'll just pay that. And she's like, no, he wouldn't pay that. He wouldn't so even pay 50. Like, um, <laughs> he yeah, then we 10. go to 50 and he wouldn't pay that. And then he goes, and then we cut it down to 10. And then Bett Miller gets really angry. Like she has that great line that um, I'm being marked down. I've been kidnapped by Kmart.
2: Kmart, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah.
1: and then uh, so they she just lets it go basically at that point. Um, then Judge Reinhold comes home, yeah, gets mad at Sandy for letting her go. Uh, whilst away, Bet Midler finds out that her that David is having an affair, so she comes back to the kidnappers to hatch a plan to make oh, hang on, you missed the whole
2: thing. Judge well, Reinhold uh, comes home. The yeah, police knocks on the door holding a picture of the bedroom killer, and give you scenes. <laughs> yeah, because
1: there's this whole other plot of this serial killer that's gone throughout the film. <laughs> when when so,
2: when Bet Midler comes back in the the bedroom killer's there in the house. <laughs> yeah, they accidentally kill the bedroom killer. He falls down <laughs> the stairs do. into the cellar. Oh, we didn't mention the scene where um she tries to escape the first time and she pulls out the gun and there's like you know, it's one of the lighter guns and stuff like that. That is a great scene. It's when a great she's, she's beating side. the
1: absolute absolute crap out of Judge Reinhold. <laughs> and like they're scene. they're just they're just terrified of her, which I just like <laughs> as well. Like she's like a loose cannon and they can't control her, well, she, and, she's her hair the feral
2: and she's like, Yeah, her hair's
1: so tall and it's all out everywhere, like um, and she's just angry and like a force of nature. It was great. So yeah, the bedroom killer comes in. They kill the bedroom killer, and then they hatch a plot to make Danavio bankrupt and and they like a bit. Miller reveals that he has around two million in assets in like liquid assets, mm-hmm. but he they also like they know about his rings and his jewels and stuff like that as well. So they now the a is,
2: sequence where they're like they're they've got a burger and they're like soy <laughs> burger for some yeah there's no tofu burger isn't it <laughs> tofu like, burger is it yeah and so they're cooking it and then they're pretending they're like putting cigarette butts out on her or something and then she's
1: like, and she's screaming okay he's got rings as well like it's got the jewels <laughs> in the shed and Dan's like shut up like stop like leaking like um and then uh, a Devito DeVito isn't because he's now like he needs to get his wife back and her not to be dead is like desperate for it so he's willing to pay all this money to get her back um yeah that's where we are so then like then he took because he's been the whole film he's been ignoring all the kind of ransom drops so whenever Judge Rino says we'll meet on Monday Dana Vito hasn't turned up and instead told the police that he said meet on like Wednesday so he's gone somewhere else and and when the kidnappers haven't turned up the, that's when the police start kind of suspecting that Dane DeVio did it himself and she's already dead and he's pretending she got kidnapped. So it's all leading to more suspicion about that. Um, so we get back and you've got this whole sequence playing out now where Dane DeVio is waiting at the drop point um, and he's saying that the police... Have abandoned him because he they don't even believe him anymore so he's saying he's on his own uh, Judge Reinhold turns up to take the briefcase full of money um, and at that point 20,000 cops like swarm the kind of area and all pointing guns at him
2: Oh, prior to this though um, Carol and Earl Bill Pullman and Anita Morris they go to Judge Reinhold's shop because they need a cassette tape player because they want to see what's on the tape Oh, yeah. And when they play it, it plays on every single TV screen and it's the police chief having sex with that woman.
1: Yeah, so that's now leaked and the police chief does a runner. Yeah. Something.
2: Well, you see him in the um, background of the, um, of the bank scene when uh, Danny DeVito's getting all his assets together. Oh, yeah, you You do see do, him yeah. getting all his passports and everything together. <laughs> <laughs>
1: to to leave town. Then like, um, they come... They... Judge Reinhold then convinces the police to kind of let him leave. Otherwise, he's still threatening the life of B- Bette Midler. And you get a great bit when Dane DeVito the- starts beating him up to take the briefcase away. Because he's like, you're not allowed to take my money away <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> and the police then call Dane DeVito and it's like, you're going to have to let him leave. Otherwise, you're aiding and betting, like kidnapping or something. <laughs> and then... Once the police leave then Bill Pullman turns up knowing when the drop would be to rob um Judge Reinhold and that's the bit, that's the bit when he he takes the money but the cops keep shooting at the tires of Bill Pullman's car and he can't work out where the shots are coming from and doesn't believe him that there's any police <laughs> well,
2: he thinks that like Judge around. Reinhold's shooting him <laughs> and yeah. he's like i haven't got a gun <laughs> and he's like mm, you haven't have you that's the, that's the trick
1: uh and, and Josh there's a... dressed up as a
2: clown Going back to our Ronald McDonald conversation Earlier on Yeah,
1: They call him Bozo Yeah they
2: do That's it
1: um, I was going to say actually The imagery right at the beginning Of this film When they've got the Duck masks on I've seen oh, yeah. that imagery A thousand times And not known what film it's Right from. Like just in kind of Stills of like 80s movies I've been like, kidnapped
2: and... By Huey and Dewey Huey and Dewey <laughs> <laughs> Is
1: that your Divine Miss Emma impression? <laughs> Yep Yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then then there is some reminiscent the most reminiscent car chase of the oj car chase i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> the car's so
2: slow though it's like the slowest that's car what I mean. it's,
1: it's properly the oj car chase like um and like he's like leave me alone the cops will leave me alone or something and he's driving like like 20 miles an hour away to like santa monica and the, every police car is chasing him in like the the city, as far as you can tell. Uh, he gets to a pier and he does this whole thing about like, um, you know, you won't take me alive or whatever, and then drives right into the pier. Um, his car then drowns, and all the money floats to like the surface, or loads of money floats, yeah. Some money then floats to the surface, yeah.
2: I like all the people on the boardwalk were like, you know, we not, we don't want to go in there because the, we don't know what the water's like. Yeah, <laughs> as they're as all they all talking about like the... rift tides,
1: aren't they? Like, yeah. As
2: soon as the water, money comes up <laughs> they're all diving in. Uh,
1: yeah, Dane DeVito turns up and starts yelling at everyone for stop taking my money and he's yelling at the police chief to stop him from taking the money and stuff. Um, and, oh, and then, okay, yeah. And then, so the police then fish out the body that's in the car. And it ends up being the serial killer, the bedroom killer.
2: I don't know how he managed to do that bait and switch while drowning in the water. Judge Reinhold, very, no. <laughs> very skilled, very um, skilled. And they're, they're like, where do you hide oh, the body I... in the car?
1: Exactly. It must have been the back seat, right? It Somewhere. must have been in the back seat. Because they, yeah, they pull out and he's dressed exactly the same as the clown as Judge Reinhold, and they're like, ah, look, it's the it's the serial killer. It all makes sense. Um. And then you get the last second of Dan DeVito being like, Well, we fucked this up, so my wife must be dead now. And again he's like celebrating without showing it.
2: Yeah, but he's then- like Well that's the thing, like crying. If you look at someone laughing from behind or crying, it yeah. look the same. It's just that gyrating <laughs> of the The whole film
1: is him doing that in the background <laughs> continuously. <laughs> Uh, But at that point, Bette Midler turns up and as like the police chief is walking, like the police, sorry, um, Lieutenant and uh, his partner is walking away going, oh, look at that true love. It's like, I've always wanted to have a marriage that's that tight or something. You see like a Bette Midler kick Dane DeVito's ass um, and chuck him into the pier or or into like the bay. (laughs) Um, Then we cut to a random beach somewhere and George Whitehall comes out yeah, it really is, isn't it? Judge Reinhold comes out in full, like, scuba gear, which apparently he just put on. <laughs> like, you know. Um, and he has the briefcase of money as well. So he has all the money. And he meets up with uh, Helen Slater. And as they're kind of hugging and walking off, Bette Midler appears as well for some reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's my and then it's freeze frame. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I did want to mention one part, actually, that I forgot about. Is, um Dane DeVito really hates Bette dog. Oh, um, And he's constantly yeah. trying to kill it throughout the whole film and Surely, halfway through the film.
2: That would be the gone. easiest thing for him to kill. <laughs> yeah. But he gets another like dog.
1: He gets another... That scene when he's ordering the dog and he's like, you attack dogs, do they just attack people or can they? Can you get them to attack other little dogs? <laughs>
2: Carol comes to visit pause him. pause for ages. <laughs> well, Carol comes to visit him after she thinks she's murdered the wife. Yeah. And he's like, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't care about speaking to her. She just goes, "Where can we get a big dog?" And he, like, yeah. she thinks she wants to fuck a big dog. Yes. And he's like, "It's not for you, for me."
1: <laughs> she says something like, "Look, I consider myself quite sexually liberated, but I think that that might be a step too far for even me." I think like, he's like, "Not for you to like." I love that that joke. We, and then he turns up in like the next scene, and the dog is like as big as Dan Devito. And it's called him Adolf. Adolf <laughs> <laughs> And then at the end of the film they turn on him as well because they make friends. The yep. the poodle and the big dog make friends and they're tearing up his house. So everyone hates him. <laughs> it's um I enjoyed it. I actually did enjoy it. It was just like, I can
2: su- s- like you said, it's just a farce. Like it, you can imagine like they'll do it differently, but I could see this being like a Cohen Brothers film, but yeah, obviously God, done a yeah. bit differently, but like you know, yeah, like yeah. you know, you look at Fargo and the whole kidnapping thing of that, and or intolerable cruelty and stuff like that. You can burn after him. reading as well, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, burn after reading is probably the same level as this, but just not in the yeah. 40s, 80s kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah, different presentation.
2: You like basically. you look at Brad Pitt's character in that? He's basically the Bill Pullman character. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. The dumb, bleach blonde kind of yeah. rapid kind of character.
1: God, Danny De- I want to see Danny DeVito in a Coen Brothers film. Why isn't that never happened? Yeah, why is that not that happened? So because,
2: like, like d- if I remember, Death to Smoochie had a bit of that kind of vibe to it and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because that Cause was that's... the era where Robin Williams was doing like his kind of. He was doing a lot of black comedies, wasn't he? Like, yeah, but that's his wonderful
1: stuff. directing though, as well, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah. like Danny DeVito has got such a. I love his directing career. I really do. Like, I think it's like those films. I think absolutely work. And Death to Smooch especially, I think, mm. is a, it's a great film. Uh, like, I, don't, I mean, I haven't seen it in years, but I think it really holds up when I last well, I mean, saw it. Well, I
2: mean, you know, even Matilda, he made, like, a kid's film, quite yeah. creepy. and Matilda Rules.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know. But he directed from on from the Train, which yep. is fucking brilliant. War the Roses, Hoffa, like, uh, and then later on he does, like, I've never of, seen.
2: Like, his first leading role was the year before, like, a year after he was able to direct a film, do you know what I mean? And then the War seen... of the Roses, like, a couple of years after that.
1: It's incredible. And I, I I it's always hard to track especially where that rising star just happened from. I think it's I think it's um, um romancing the stone but I, I think Taxi helps as well. Mm-hmm. Of being just a huge TV star at the time. And I just think it's something about his personality and how he is on screen. He's the most unlikely person to ever lead a film but I think he has such personality that seems to come across so warmly on screen like I th- like I think People really love him, and people really connect to him in ways that is just entirely personality based. Really, mm. it's it's uh, yeah, he's great. He's a great movie star. <laughs> he
2: is. Did he produce Man on the Moon as well? Was he like? I think so. Yeah, I think. He, and like, he produced obviously... Pulp Fiction as well. Like he was very uh, yeah, instrumental yeah. in getting that made as well.
1: That's true. That's really true. He's done, actually done loads of producing. That's what he's been doing mainly in the last mm. few years as well. He produced emin brockovich and gattaca <laughs> out of sight like it's crazy it's amazing like, career the it honesty really is it's an astonishing career and he's and he's wonderful and he's wonderful in this he's like he's it's absolutely peak dame devito like kind of presentation and act and character like it's just perfect marriage of him and like script i think really
2: but no, I, thought this, I, can, I think it's a great film. Like You know, you could have this as a double bill with, like, Raising Arizona or something, do you know what I mean? And, like, yeah, you know, totally. Just have a good time with it. Like, I love that in the video, the the record shop or whatever, you know, the the electronic shop, like, all the artwork is, like, that kind of spray-painted graffiti art of, like, the yeah, full-on sure. 80s. Like, you know it probably wasn't even printed. It probably was just hand-sprayed or something. Hand sprayed. like. <laughs> sure. It just has that proper texture of, like, just... just pure 80s and like every every scene like starts with a little (laughs) like a little kind of little riffy jingle kind of thing like like one of those like harold faltermeyer kind of like you know um beverly hills cop just really over the top music yeah yeah just to kind of at the beginning of the scene and then it kind of trails off as the scene like carries on and then the next scene comes in again
1: if and after if I had seen this as a as a kid i would i think I would appreciate in the same way I appreciate the other eighties comedies I think it would just be like uh, on a level for me
2: hundred yeah. i just
1: i wouldn't have able to distinct distinguish it i think you know like you know, even if it's trading places or wherever you have you like oh, well that's kind of like just those films that are just so i've put on a thousand times, but um, even playing trains you know.
2: Like. Judd Reinhold has some nice moments, like, you know, like, yeah, bit, yeah. you see the spider and he's like, he rescues the spider and you think, oh, he's a really good guy and he puts <laughs> outside. But then he <laughs> realizes, oh, I've got to start being ruthless. And he just opens stamps the door and stamps something. on the spider.
1: <laughs> it's great. I think Helen Slater is
2: probably the weakest one, but I don't think it's her fault. I just don't think the character's given much to do, really. Nah. Unfortunately.
1: She... she she just basically spends the entire time locked in that house, but yeah, she has the kind of, of important twist that she's just the nice person, really, that yeah. makes it so, like, Bette Midler kind of makes friends with her. But Bette Midler is just... Bette Midler, I don't... I don't know who Bette Midler is. She's just <laughs> like, a force. Like, Isn't Bette she a force of nature? <laughs> yeah, she really is. And in this, she just is. Just, it's a full-on Bette Midler, like, just full-on performance and falling into it. Like, I really only know her from Hocus Pocus, I think, growing up. And then, you know, you got... Beaches?
2: Like... Machine Beaches?
1: Yeah. Yeah, she was in Beaches, yeah. I've never watched Beaches, I have to say. But she's, um, a, like, First Wives Club, I think I know. and like, But yeah, one just... Aren't they this... bringing I... back Hocus
2: Pocus again? Isn't that like, they yeah. doing that again?
1: Next year, there's going to be a sequel to
2: Hocus Pocus. I never Great. really liked that film. I think you did, didn't you? I think. Or, yeah, I liked but,
1: it. I used to watch it quite a bit on VHS.
2: But I think for me, I watched it fairly recently within the last 10 years for the first time. And I think it's one of those ones you probably have to have watched yeah. as a kid to yeah. really kind of. I know it's got Omre Katz in it, though, who's from Erie, Indiana. And I think Thora Birch might <laughs> be the young girl in it. I, I think it feel. is Thora Birch.
1: Yeah. yeah. It is the Birch. It was just one of those films that got kind of co-opted by like... Um, well, not co-opted. That's the wrong word to say. It just got embraced by like queer culture as well at some point. And at some point it just became a kind of like drag acts would do it and things. And right. It just say, became a bit of a cultural meme, really, I think.
2: F- it felt a bit like Nightmare Before Christmas. Like two films that mm. ran the same time by Disney that just didn't do very well at the time but have had like somehow yeah, just, just carried... Like they've f- had a life of their own after the...
1: After just cinema, just on VHS based, yeah. kids putting it on all the time, or just being cheap to play on TV, which is sometimes how it happens as well. But I, I have fond memories of Hocus Pocus. I haven't watched it since I was a child, <laughs> so you know. Uh, it's, but
2: no, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed watching this film. It was it was a, a nice brisk ninety minute runtime. Yes, and, you know, I watched it. I said to you, this I watched it like half four, five in the morning, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. by. Before six o'clock or six thirty, I'd finished.
1: <laughs> I do have one weird question about the middle of this film. There's a then. bit where Anita Morris and Bill Pullman are in bed, and you hear like a you hear like a um um like a machine, like a like a whirling of a machine, and, and um, it's then revealed that like he has a dustbuster in bed. Oh, in the
2: bed, yeah. Like they're using, <laughs> like, well, she does say she's quite sexually liberate, like open to stuff. So I guess, you know, no, she's like,
1: it. What are they doing with the Dustbuster? <laughs> like, my mind went, um, went traveling in places.
2: <laughs> so, um, what would you give this then out of five? I happily
1: sit there at three, three and a half, you know. Yeah, like, like you know, it's a good it's, film, I had a fun time with it. I,
2: yeah, it's it, unlike, you know, like say, Vagabond, we talked about the other week, and you know. It it doesn't have the the depth that that kind of film has, it, but it's got a great sure. like plot and some fun characters, and I just had a really good time watching it.
1: It has a bit of lulls with it. It's not quite like you know something like like Airplane, which is just hits you continuously. Yeah. It, it it has a bit of lulls, even though it's a short film. But I wouldn't I, say I it's lulls in
2: a lull that you're bored. Do
1: you get no, bored? no, no.
2: It's just yeah, but it's just it's just not a joke, 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 joke.
1: But if like, if this, I can see this just being something that I happily watch and exists and you know, whatever.
2: Like, yeah, so yeah. I'd watch this it's, again. It's cool. So uh, what are we talking about? Well, not next week, but in a couple of weeks time.
1: Yeah, next time. So um, we should be doing um, the share classic Moonstruck.
2: Oh, awesome.
1: With, uh, with Nick Cage, get some Nick Cage on, which I think is welcome back to the show, isn't it? Because he was on. One of the first ones,
2: yeah, our very first main episode. while well, right, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we've got our resident share expert helping us yes. out on that as well, who actually has yeah. played share multiple times on multiple television multiple times
1: now, yeah. So we're doing a share special, yeah, <laughs> should be good
2: with share <laughs> and
1: special with share herself. I'm looking um, forward to it. I've been wanting to watch this film for such a long time, so I'm looking forward to it.
2: I've never seen her act in anything, so I'm interested to watch. no no, I've seen yet. Mask, I've seen Mask.
1: Ah, oh, I love Silkwood. Watch Silkwood. So good in that film.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on whatever you listen to us on. Um yeah, we're also on Twitter, we are at adjust your track, that's with a YR, not a your. And yeah, please don't forget if the pitch is bad, always adjust your tracking.